0: People don't realize how many of these serial killers are among us. They're everywhere. You, know, you don't have to be a guy like Bundy or Dahmer who, who have these high or, – or, or John Wayne Gacy who has these crazy numbers, right? 30, 40, 50, whatever. Some people are serial killers, and they kill every so often. You know, They may have four or five, but you know, the key is they kill few, they lay low, seem to go down, and they keep on doing it again. Some of the guys – and they live in society like normal. They have a normal life. And they Jekyll and Hyde, and then at night, they do House of Horrors. It's scary. And I I think people need to know how dangerous serial killers are. They're everywhere. I I think people don't understand how prolific they are.
1: I heard the other day that the average person comes in or crosses the path of something like, was it like three to six, three or it was like three or six um, psychopaths a day that they actually come into contact with and don't even know it. You know what John Wayne Gacy's last words were?
0: I mean, Bundy, huh. at least when he was fried there in Old Sparky, his last words were, say hey, tell my family I love them and you know whatever, all that. At least that's something, right? Right. John Wayne Gacy, kiss my ass. That's his last words. Kiss
1: my ass. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I am here with Ignacio Esteban. He is a former ATF agent, uh, retired, and he's written uh, several true crime books based on uh, uh, various cases. Uh, I just finished one of them and we're going to do a, an interview. So check it out. Yeah, what's I going just, on, Matt? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I, uh, nice to be back on your show.
0: The second one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How did the first show do? It did all right,
0: right? Yeah, I think about uh, over what thirteen thousand views Is so far in counting. Yeah, that's good. Very, very good number. People like that's it. good. Some liked it, and some uh, not so big
1: fans of ATF. <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah. Well, you, like I said before, you, you, you know, you always have some guy who's saying this guy's full of shit. L- listen, I did one. It's funny because I had a guy that I researched his entire case. I wrote a, I wrote a, a, a synopsis about a twelve thousand word synopsis on his mm-hmm. case researched it saw all the documents everything and there were guys in the comment section that's bullshit that never happened like he, he said this and he like right. this isn't the guy saying it like i ordered the police report this is the police saying this is what happened
0: right right like, i didn't just take yeah.
1: his word for it and you know i even on my own every once in a while you get somebody saying you know this guy's full of shit. you know th- this didn't happen that didn't happen it's like okay well if those things didn't happen why did i go to federal prison They didn't send me there for for no reason. Like my charges are, you know, there's real, it's right. Right. So, but you know, there's always going to be, I would say for, for, listen, for every 90 to a hundred guys that tell me say wonderful things, there's always one guy or two guys that are just like, they, and they'll hate you for no reason.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People, some people just like putting bad reviews because they like putting bad reviews, they're nitpicking for anything.
1: Well, and listen, to be honest, like those are the ones I typically react to too. So I'm I'm only I'm only helping that situation by reacting yeah. to them. Yeah, I've I've learned to ignore it now. I,
0: yeah. I, I, I just ignore them, I ignore them completely, and, and they do go away because uh, a, lot, a lot of them are haters because they can't do it themselves. They haven't right. done the anything, and they sit behind a computer. A lot of people can be really badasses behind a computer w- with a fictitious username and put ridiculous stuff out
1: there, but face to face, they won't do that. Not listen, not even face to face. Sometimes if you just respond to them. Like, I not even mean you just say, wow, bro, I don't know why you would say that. Like, this is what happened. I, I'm not sure where you're getting that. They'll come back almost immediately and say, yo, oh, bro, I didn't mean that. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was drinking last night when I wrote that. And it's like, like, they really just want attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, That's unfortunate. You do see a lot of kids like that. And who knows?
0: Maybe they are underage. And they're just being goofy and, and, and they're going out there and, and just doing, you know, silly things because people create these fictitious accounts. We all know that. Yeah. And then a, a, a young kid just and they know it. they like stir things up, too. So uh, that's why a lot of times I've, I've learned. I saw some really nasty things not in this, but other shows. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to even
1: respond to anything like that. <laughs> um, you said something about the red light district back here. Listen, I got a red wall. I painted the red wall. I have. Um, I usually. I, I just took down. I had a bunch of Marilyn Monroe paintings. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I, well, like I took them down though. Oh. So I'm going. I'm going uh, minimalist. It's just going to be a red wall with the 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 soundproofing, the mics. It's going to change everything. It's going to be huge. Uh, I think you'll huge. see that. I like it. Yeah. So I like it. But I do like Marilyn Monroe Mar- 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 though. I'm a big fan, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I, I, I make those, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, I make them, they're, uh, uh they're, they're modified screen prints. So it's a screen print of Marilyn Monroe, but every one of them is different, like different colors. Oh, different, so, yeah. yeah. I saw, I saw a few of them. Yes. I like that. So I sell those on Etsy, although sales have dropped recently. The last mm-hmm. few months, everything's starting to go, mm-hmm. go south. Mm-hmm. Even book sales. Might, might have been steady. Might
0: have been steady. And Mm -hmm. the more shows I do, the the more the numbers are going higher and higher. And I do a lot. I'm not just true crime, as as we talked before. I I do politics. I do travel. I do a few books with my daughter, kids' books, too. So if you like kids' books, I've done that with really good message, family, wholesome messages. I I just do a variety of things. I really enjoy it. And I just did a crazy one on Psycho Killers. And, of course, you listen to my auto. And now I'm really getting with Sean, and you know Sean well I mean, because of you. Excellent, excellent voice actor i uh, been working with him i have this big one it's going to come out soon about seven hours almost seven hours the most dangerous crime syndicates of our time which is just from a to z soup to nuts a lot of my shorts put together dealing with uh the one percenters tally mafia mexican cartels uh yakuza street gangs prison gangs all in there all in there so if you really don't have a good handle this book will put you start getting the in the right direction so I think it's going to be really good, seven hours, so I look forward to that one coming out.
1: He's been working hard on this one. Do you do you ever do anything on um, the uh, the Chinese gangs in like LA, the the triads? In, in, uh, in my street gang book, there's a chapter on that. The, yeah, there's gangs. Working, yeah, I'm working it, on a story right now on on the on them on the triads.
0: Oh, okay, cool, cool. I was going to ask you since I did a book also on ms thirteen and you guys are in Pasco and it's a true crime channel. What the heck happened holiday with a poor Uber driver with an MS 13 guy that goes in there and kills him and takes him apart. You see that?
1: I, I heard it on the news. I mean, just. I I, I, about I, that. The savagery no. and brutality of MS 13 Mara Sabatucha. They're
0: not just in LA anymore. They're nationwide, Canada. And they've gone enormous in Central America because where their roots came from, they went back and they've pretty much taken over, you know, uh, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, and South and
1: Southern Mexico. They're spreading. Is it El Salvador where the the president, Mm -hmm. they elected the president, he built that huge prison and just went and arrested like 10,000 of them or something? Yeah, they're trying to, but it's like you stop them more, they keep on spreading, right? Like ants, you you hit the
0: ant pile and they just keep on coming around. Uh, It's cultural. It's, it's just, it, it, and when people are in that culture, it, it's hard to, uh, you incarcerate them, but they're so hardcore, they don't care. They come out, they'll come back at it again. So uh, what I'm reading, what I saw, I'm a sheriff, I, I met him briefly from Pasco and I knew Sheriff White from before out there since I worked so many years out there. And I know you're in that area. Um, unbelievable in holiday, that poor Uber driver goes there. texts his wife. Hey, this is my last delivery of the day. I should be home right afterwards, right? That's the last thing he does, man. He walks in the door. And it's lights out guy kills him and um horror stories and i guess he was putting his his, his body in like body bags so uh, unbelievable you just don't it's dangerous anywhere i tell people and i think with psycho killers i talk about the element the culture and what happens people don't realize how many of these serial killers are among us they're everywhere you know you don't have to be a guy like bundy or dahmer who, who have these high or or, or john way gacy who has these crazy numbers right 30, 40, 50, whatever. Some people are serial killers and they kill every so often. You know, they may have four or five, but you know, the key is they kill few, they lay low, seem go down, and they keep on doing it again. Some of the guys, and, and they live in society like normal. They have a normal life and they're Jekyll and Hyde. And then at night, they do House of Horrors.
1: Well, especially if you can get away with it, they get away with it because a lot of times it, they don't even, there's just opportunists. Like suddenly the opportunity is there and they just, boom, they snap and that's like a long one. distance truck driver or something. Like, how are you going to catch that guy? He killed somebody, gets in his truck. He didn't know him. There's no connection. Yeah. They, they, they get a lot of prostitutes, right? These people, hitchers. Yeah.
0: Right? People, people loners, homeless people, people in the society don't, don't care about. Right. People are not going miss those kind of people. And they prey on those people and, and, and do horrible, horrible things. I'll, I'll, I know we're we'll talking about my book, but I'll tell you one story here. And, and hopefully people read this book. It's going really popular and it's called Psycho uh, Killers, right? And I, I talk about, you know, I mentioned the the, the Dahmers and the Bundys and the, the Gacy's. And I also had a little history on uh, on H.H. H. Holmes, I guess, America's first original big serial killer. But some people think was Jack the Ripper also. And, and, and we can talk about that on a different show. Why similarities, did because he was also in uh, London, 1888, during that time period. He also came back he had family that was also british so a lot of connections between and he was a doctor because the guy who did with dr ripper was someone who's a, a physician because they were very quick in dismantling the organs and taking things out because that's what you know ripper did within two minutes he, he would take out these female's organs and everything else and dismember them really quickly and this guy was also very good at that so those things we can talk about later with holmes and, and the comparisons there's even a family member out there who believes that his great-great-grandfather was Jack the Ripper. And he, he makes a great argument why he thinks so and stuff like that, which is fascinating. But I'll, I'll talk about a quick story here about what makes a serial killer here. Uh, you, you had uh, Richard Ramirez, right? Mm-hmm. W- 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 the Night Stalker, right? He, he's my last chapter in my book there, chapter 12. There's the original Night Stalker, which is uh, Joseph D'Angelo, who was a former police officer who becomes a serial rapist and serial killer. At the time, and he he is the original night stalker, but they think they're this one and the same. And then later, with DNA and evidence, they realize these were two different killers killing in California at the same time,
1: right? So you got massive lots of serial killers out there. Yeah. So I didn't know there was a second guy called the Night Stalker. I thought there was just the one. Yeah, no, he's the original Night Stalker,
0: D'Angelo. Joseph D'Angelo, former cop who becomes serial serial rapist, and then they evolve. First, he starts into burglaries, he goes south. And then he goes into, and he was a burglary detective for years, so that's why he became good at that. Then he changes, goes to the dark side, starts doing it. Then he gets into raping the women, tying them up, right? He, becomes, he I think he raped over 60 some women. They're saying the numbers are heinous in California. And then he became, he starts killing them. Then, So, I mean, he, he would do some real sadistic things when he would tie them up. I'll give one example real quick. Uh, he goes, he, and he liked to target elderly couple, you know people that won't be as resistant right and let's say he'll tie up the the guy he'll say listen I'm gonna put these dishes on your back if I'm hearing any movement from the dishes right because I know you're trying to get out of that they fall off your back that means you're trying to get out What I just tied you up here because he's raping his his wife right I'm gonna kill your children in the house too so I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do here I see any movement this is all documented reports what he said he confessed to all this so he talks about what he did this is, I mean, when I read this stuff, I'm in shock. What's going on here? So that's how sadistic these people are. You imagine that shit? They come in. He comes in with a flashlight and he says, "This is what I'm going to do to you." Mm-hmm. So that's D'Angelo. He's the original nice stalker. This guy is also will be called a nice stalker because they thought when they detected they were one the same, but they weren't. They're different guys. And uh, this guy D'Angelo, uh, this guy Ramirez, he, he is he is pretty much psychologists say he he wasn't born a psychopath. He was made into a psychopath. Uh, i'm gonna tell you real quick how he was made to it this is a family of serial killers now i'm gonna explain to you how he had he was he was in a family of serial killers which is unbelievable i didn't know any of this until i started researching all this myself and i started looking at it his cousin was a decorated green beret in vietnam older than him but he was killing young vietnamese women over there and he he was really sick he would uh dismember them he was decapitate them and then use his Polaroid camera and take pictures of all that. Th- this would be documented by Ramirez when he confessed later, all the stuff and, and what they find. So he's a dictator. He's in Vietnam. And he's doing House of Horrors on these young women. Right. He gets away for, for years, never gets convicted. of it. He comes back to the U.S. and he starts indoctrinating his younger cousin how, how to be really sadistic against women. And he starts developing a taste to hurt women pretty much at, at an early age. He gets into drugs, he gets an LSD, he starts using cocaine, and he starts growing into, and he teaches him the tricks of being a beret, how to stalk people, how to kill someone quietly, how to do things, and, and how to, you know, everything. Everything he did, he teaches. He even snaps one time and kills his, his wife. This is the, the, the Green Beret. Kills his wife in front of him in a rage. Shoots her and kills her, right? He witnesses the whole thing. He gets away with it because he claims he had ptsd from the war right and he's ruled uh, uh not guilty with some insanity right he does some some few years in the mental hospital in texas and comes back out and goes back with him and he asked him how did that impact you seeing your cousin kill his wife like that he said didn't bother me at all i was just fascinated by it it just fed into a kind of person he was making me
2: buried by the u.s government and ignored by the national media This is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Services Fund, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began work to build the largest private militia on the planet, over 1 million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is had the US government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity. The bizarre, true story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination available now on Amazon and Audible.
0: So I I talk a lot about Ramirez and 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 the stuff he does is absolutely horrific to to his victims so if you're interested in this and you want to know more the psychology what we just talked about psycho killers has a lot of that and stories i had no idea i mean i started dabbling into it
1: and i had no idea how sick and perverted these people really are yeah i i watched the documentary on netflix on romero's it's like a six-part series or something with the two detectives Mm -hmm. yeah it it was a nice stalker right yeah the nice stalker right um yeah it was actually, you know, let's, I mean, for, you know, obviously they don't, most of the people are just not either around or don't want to be spoke speak about it. Not a lot of B-roll you know, just the, but the interviews and the B-roll that they did come up with, like they did an amazing job on that, on that series. Like it was, it was, it was really good. The same thing with Bundy. The, yeah, did you see that? Bundy and Dahmer has a good one too. Yeah. I there. never saw the Dahmer. The Dahmer one really bothers me. The Bundy one uh, was uh, was really good because I, there was so much stuff that I like. I didn't know, like, I didn't know he had escaped from prison multiple times. I didn't yes, know. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah, how many times he had come close to getting caught? Yeah, House of Horrors in the sorority in Florida State, isn't it?
0: He escapes from prison. They have yeah, him for yeah. a homicide charge. He walks out the front door dressed as the jailer, right? Dressed as the jailer. Yeah, I think he, so. Something he, he like that. He yeah. walks out the front door. And, and he, he's gone for months, he, he takes trains, planes, he, he's all over the country until he settles in Tallahassee and he snaps. He, he said he was trying to get, you know, because he confesses later, I read his reports, I read everything, that's what I do, I read a lot. And he says that uh, he was trying to get construction work, but they did a background check on him and he couldn't pass the background because obviously he was been arrested, right? He's not going to be yeah, a Yeah, but I mean, he's supposed he to be in prison, fictitious, fictitious IDs and all that, he just can't get through it. So he gets triggered. He got triggered and, and, and then when he gets triggered, he goes in the sorority house. Uh, I think it's Kai Omega. And he goes in there and commits house of horrors in there. And it's just horrible. And the details of what he does, it, it just, if you want to see a detail, I put in my book, how sadistic, how sick this guy is. And a lot of these guys get a sexual charge while they're doing this, by the way, right. They really enjoy this. And, and that's evidence also against them that comes out of there. So it's, it's a lot of stuff. These guys leave behind, uh, you know, physically but also emotionally baggage and, and stuff they're, they're really really sick and he was an intelligent guy who went to law school i don't think he graduated he had issues there he struggled with that but still a smart enough guy to figure out how to work the system and how and he was an attractive guy where he was able to trick a lot of the young female and he liked young females that looked like brown hair part of the hair in the back he had a certain type that he liked very similar to his girlfriend and that's an interesting read there i mean she is living with a serial killer
1: Yeah, that's unbelievable.
0: Then he ends up up getting married
1: to to, uh, once he's locked up. All these guys do, all these guys
0: end up getting you know what John Wayne Gacy's last words were. I mean, Bundy, at least when he was fried there in Old Sparky, his his last words were, Hey, tell my family I love them and you know, whatever, all that. At least that's something, right? Right. John Wayne Gacy kissed my ass. That's his last words kiss my ass. For, for before they put the uh, injectum uh, and he says kiss my ass like saying he had no remorse he killed over 30 and he loved young boys he loved young teenagers he was the clown Pogo the clown right he, he was he was successful but that's creepy creepy because he was very popular in the community he was very active he helped people like you said he had that dual J- Jekyll and Hyde and he said I'm helpful I'm nice guy but then I'm also a creepy guy that's going to take your son and kill him and you're never going to see him again and he Yeah, and he I, what I knows. don't, I don't
1: get too. Like he's living in the house with the smell, and the bodies are buried in the everywhere, you know, yeah, bodies everywhere. Yeah, what? what I, the, I mean, I, I get. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, there are certain things that just come along with with different mental conditions. Obviously, yeah. the, the idea that he wouldn't dispose of the bodies somewhere else, like how hard it always kills me. It's like these guys murder somebody and then they, they leave the body in the, in the living room for two days. And when it starts smelling, then they, they, they bear it outside. It's like, you can't, if you're able to kill someone, like you can't, I mean, you've got a job, like, I mean, you're, you're paying your bills. You should be able to think far enough in advance to say, Hey, I I cannot leave this body here and I'm not going to bury it in my backyard. I need to get rid of it. Like they just, no, just bury it in the backyard. It's easier talking about leaving stuff around how about Dahmer man i know you don't you don't like very much about dahmer yeah, but he's, uh, he's,
0: that one incident that he has was i mean again he, he he had a thing for uh black male prostitutes right right and, but he also went with Asians too and uh, he had that, that that young boy from laos right a famous story where he he he's injected he drilled the holes in the head yes he he's he's so he's so messed up that he he's he's drinking he's an alcoholic right and people who don't know Dahmer Dahmer's a severe alcoholic and something he goes in these stupors and or he'll get more beer and he left me he thought he was he wanted to make him an ultimate sex slave right, right. That, that, that was his work he wanted to inject this guy so he can really can control manipulate he, he really was was crazy out there but when he came back from the bar and to get more beer whatever he, he really liked drinking a lot of beer and when he came back this is milwaukee and when he came back uh, he saw the kid fully naked talking to his women at a bus stop, and he was rambling in Laos, and he he almost freaked out, right, when I was reading in the reports. So, and they said, well, he he's my gay lover. He's 19 years old. We had a dispute. He gets like that when he drinks too much. I guess just take him back, and it'll be okay. And she said, no, we already called the uh, the police are on the way. So Milwaukee's finest, the police department, comes in. They start checking, they call fire, you know, fire rescue. They come out because he's also bleeding in private areas and his anus and other spots too. You know, that's normal. We have sex and all that. and explaining all, all that, <laughs> all this stuff to the police officers. And because he's incoherent, he can't speak in English right now. He, he's speaking in Laos and he's like, oh, he's drunk. And he said, okay, we just had a dispute. I said, okay, where do you guys live? We're right up here. Okay, let me take you back. And, and they escort them back to his apartment he even tells me he tells me in the report he thanks something hey, you guys are doing a great job out here crime is out of control i appreciate everything you've done wow <laughs> he puts him in he says, okay an officer's last words and hey take care of him he says i will and he does. had him, he killed him with before they even got back to the car right immediately he injected him again and dismembered him and devoured him
1: um yeah this is That's never bad. getting monetized by the way huh this video is never getting monetized, <laughs> Why? you know, you don't monetize, you know, how that works. Uh, uh-uh. okay. So monetization on a video, like, like they will limit your monetization or make it just completely un-adverti- unadvertiser friendly crime channel. I know what you're saying, but, but like say 99% of all my videos, get monetized because I, we try and stay away from certain things and because i typically don't talk about violence oh that's that's so, what true crime is all violence n- Not, but my, my my channel isn't really violence if you're watching yeah. my videos there's mostly it's scams and cons and e- right. even if it's stuff like buying you know even your stuff wasn't violent that we talked about because it was more about buying you know um yeah, yeah, th- th- this is violent th- this is true crime right here this, this is a,
0: a, as heinous as as it gets and if you're fascinated by this stuff look at psycho killers and we can we can talk about <laughs>
1: like don't hold back
0: keep pushing uh, the book <laughs> yeah no, i think i think it's fascinating i know people love it and they in,
1: in the every time i see it, people talk about it the views are always enormous so yeah, yeah you know what's funny is like 80 of of violent true crime mm. um is is uh, women yeah it, women and then gay males
0: really I mean, You see a lot of gay males, prostitutes, prostitutes suffer
1: People, you know, these are people who people don't care about. Right. Right. No, 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 no. I I don't mean the victims of it. I mean, the people, the consumers, the people that watch it. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so my analytics on my channel, it's 95% male. Right. I would imagine. But for some reason, like if I talked about murders and, and, and serial killers, like if it was that kind of channel yeah, then eighty percent of it would be a uh, female would be watching it. I women I are I would never guess that yeah, women are super attracted to the more Ooh. violent types of of violent murders and serial oh. killings and things like that. I wonder
0: if that because they're scared and they want to
1: protect themselves, what mistakes these women made and learn from them, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I really thought my channel would be more female. Like, there'd be a lot of female, at least a 50-50 mix or maybe 25-35. Like, but because I don't really, you know, really, I guess, talk about a lot of violence, then it, it's just it hasn't picked up with – it's slowly – initially, it was like 99%, 98%. Now, I think it's down to it, – it's actually getting been getting better. But – Well, don't that's, really... that, that, that
0: is fascinating. I, I think everybody should be interested because uh, it could impact – because the victims are not just women. There, there's that misconception that just the victims are women. No, no, no. A lot of men also get taken by by uh, these serial killers also, and couples, elderly couples. I remember Ramirez. You saw the you saw the documentary. Yeah, Ramirez. Yeah. He picked up he picked
1: up elderly couples in their sixties okay. and seventies. So. so so my gen, gen, for gender right last 28 days, it's been male 92.5 percent female. <laughs> Seventy point four percent, seven percent. Yeah. So it and then one percent is user non-specific, uh, or, or sorry, sorry, point one percent is user non-specific. So, uh, yeah. So the bulk of it is. So it's not ninety-five now. It's down to ninety-two. Um, but yeah, the bulk of it is is uh, is male yes. on my channel, which is insane. But yeah, you're you're right. Maybe it is because maybe it's because women are concerned or in, in fear or worry about me I, I they should be yeah they, they, they tar- they're targeted there's no doubt about it we'll,
0: we'll tone it down with the violence i won't go i, I was gonna go more details on stuff but i'll tone it down um <laughs> but you're, you're right because i noticed that a lot of the purchasers were women
1: of my book yeah so that's interesting okay how is um how is the audio uh doing i, I want to work on audio on that uh, that's I mean, me and
0: sean we work a bit I, i'm busy like i said with the the worst mash the, the worst uh, uh uh, uh, crime syndicates of our time, and work on that one. Uh, so it's a lot of books out there. I've just finished ATF Undercover. Obviously, you see the poster back there. working on that one. That's I'm the one i to get I to do, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, what did you think of it?
1: I thought it was. It's funny. My uh, I was working out with my my wife this morning, um, and I was listening because I told you I listened to most of it this morning when I was working out about forty five minutes of, and um, you know, you don't really do scenes. You know what i'm saying like you you don't when i say scenes i mean you don't you don't re and this is what kills me is like yeah. and I, I mentioned it to her i said this guy was in the room with these criminals like but he's not re you don't yours is written it's very informative this happened this happened sure. i said this they said this that, but you don't reinvent or, or put the dialogue so every once in a while you'll have some a piece of dialogue where I tend to do redo a scene. Like they said this, I said this, and I'll yeah. do some narration on what the dialogue is because you can't go back and forth, back and forth. It's oh, too much. Yeah. But um, I noticed that you don't really do that. You're getting, you very quickly get to just the the core information. The meat and potato? Yes. And you're like, boom, 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 boom. Like I wanted to know when you had you know a problem with your, uh, the I mean, you name what they are, but the supervisors, whatever. You know, sure. I know you're calling the the, the GPPPT, you know, you give them the initials, like, I don't know what that means. But obviously, this supervisor, and then his supervisor, like, you just basically say, you know, there was a dispute, like, we we never got along, like, what were some of those events, like you, you kind of skim over those. And, wow. and to me, that's, I would have liked to have known, like you're saying, the guy was a jerk. But why was he a jerk? Like, what did he actually? You give some examples. That I give I, some examples. Yeah, I, you, you do. Know. But but I, it'd be interesting to see that one more, one more, one more. I want, I want more dialogue. I want to see a little bit, not a ton. I don't like a ton, just enough to get the so that you kind of know. Oh, he's snide. He's making snide comments, or oh, oh that yeah, was what, kind of a dick thing well, to say. And, and yeah, and the books also, I, and I delve into that the waste, fraud, and abuse. Yeah, the
0: good the bad and the ugly of atf right yeah and it's not just me buying dope and guns right it, it, it's it's i tell you about that story also my personal life right yeah what my when i went through my family my dad's passing from from pancreatic cancer how difficult that was yeah uh, i mean it was a good, it was the best of times it was the worst of times charles dickens right yeah. and uh, i i personally experienced that in 2006 got married came back from europe beautiful vacation from the canary islands and in Spain. And uh, and then all of a sudden, my father gets sick and he deteriorates. He was a very healthy man, very healthy guy. Yeah, he didn't what, drink 66? much. 66 years old. Yeah. Did, didn't smoke much. Didn't smoke any. Did, didn't drink any. Uh, very fit. Was a big cyclist, an avid cyclist. Loved to work out. But uh, he got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And it was within seven months, that was it. And he deteriorated immensely quickly. So right. th- those are hard things to go through and, and, and live through. And while you're still having your caseload in Tampa, back and forth to Miami, have a newlywed, a new wife. I, I, there's a lot of things thrown at you. And I was in my early thirties.
1: So, you know, those, those are things you got to carry. Well, the, what I was wondering about and this, and I've noticed this, uh, I noticed it in the BOP, um, you know, when I was locked up and I know, and I had heard this from officers saying this, and I've, I've noticed this It, it basically in the federal government, you even say you don't still get this kind of, this kind of behavior, other than the federal government, the private um, sector are you, yeah, huh? In The private sector you act, oh, yeah, badly. you be fired. Done. Instead, done. they done. just they just transfer you. So, and then a lot of times in the BOP, what I, I um, it was explained to me. They said a lot of times what happens is they'll say we want to transfer you, but they can't make they they can't force you to do it. So they're like we can't fire them. We no. can't transfer them. They said the only way you can force them to take the transfer is to give them a raise. There we go. So so if you say, look, we're going to make you, so you're, we're going to make you a case manager or, you know, right now you're a counselor. We're, we're desperate to get rid of this fucking guy. We're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give him a raise. We'll make him a case manager at this other institution. Get rid of him. Yeah. So then they tell the other institution, this guy's amazing. Yeah, sure. He's great. Yeah. So what yep. happens is the worse of an employee you, you are, the more sometimes, not always, but a lot of times you get these problemed individuals that they do they cost your life raises yeah, or, or advancing, and they don't they shouldn't be advanced. Yeah,
0: I I had some doozies. The, the, yeah, you, no, I had some doozies in, in Tampa and in Florida. I always said, This is my motto. I don't know if I said it last time on your show, the bad guys were the easy part. They right. really were. Because I had to overcome so many hurdles as a case agent, as the undercover. I also was the vault custodian, did my own workups. ATF is a smaller agency than FBI and DEA. So I have to to wear many, many hats and do many, many things. And uh, we have a bad supervisor, or even worse, a horrible prosecutor. Nothing's worse. The same thing applies in in, the Department of Justice all over. You get a bad prosecutor who who doesn't do justice to your case, it, it can all unravel. And you spend a year, year and a half... Putting it together that that is so frustrating that's one thing I, I like about what i'm doing now as a writer and getting now involved more and more maybe movie production maybe tv series production is, is you can work as hard as you want be successful as you want and produce as much as you want while in the, in the federal government that's not always the case and there's people that want to hold you back and don't want you to succeed and, and and there's a lot of issues that people just don't understand the ins and outs of the government and politics that make it hard sometimes To overcome and it's a lot of personal vendetta and personal grudges people can be very very nasty that way and make it very very difficult like that one case i mean there one my supervisor had he was very angry at another undercover you know he decided to take it out on him a supervisor right he and we had an h2 a hummer you know h2 is a very large people who don't know it's a very large vehicle very expensive vehicle Maintain. It was supposed to be only for selective use to undercover work. It's a flash car, right? You know, you going right. to do a, a by bus. It, it's, it's a car you use very selectively. This guy decides I'm taking away from him. I'm going to punish you. And now it's my G ride and I'm going to use it all the time. He lived in Land Lakes, by the way, in Pasco. Right. And he had to go down to Tampa and every, he, he's gassing up twice a day. Once I get there, but he's getting maybe nine miles a gallon. Right. But he did that for over four to five years. Right, He even had agents come in early because in downtown area, he couldn't fit that monster in the parking garage. So he would have an agent get in there, park early on the side. And when he says, hey, I'm on my way, I'm around, he would have to pull his car out so he can park. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Unfortunately, this is all real stuff. And he will park aside. So, of course, he puts his placard there. So the city's not making any money from that. He keeps that out all day. So he was a control freak. And the amount of excessive money the Tampa Field Division spent, and the ASAC knew about it, the SAC knew about it. But they did nothing because they didn't want that conflict, that battle. So that's a waste. Fraud. You know how much more he should have a regular car like everybody else did, and a supervisor should not have that kind of car. And that's one a many example. And he, and he would later. I was friends with him in the beginning, but later take it out on me because of issues we had. Because my partner, I think I mentioned on the last show, the Puerto Rican uh, bullet catcher, right? He, he was involved in that famous shooting in Miami, which rippling believe it or not, did a big episode on after he retired where he takes the round from a bad guy who shoots into his gun, right? Uh, He had a SIG 9mm. He has a SIG 9mm. And when he's trying to arrest a guy in Hialeah, he fires around him, and he catches in his barrel. He catches it in and plugs his barrel. He can't shoot the guy. but goodness, the Hialeah SWAT team is on the other side of the vehicle and opens up on him and takes care of that guy. He's very lucky. The glass shatters on him and everything else. But he goes to war with that guy. But he was my mentor. And I worked with the guy. And he right. wants me to turn me against him now. This is the kind of guy he is. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not going to say, I hey, want you shun him. Don't talk to him. Don't deal with him and everything else. Oh, you don't do what I'm saying? He went to war with me. And I was a highly successful agent making some of the biggest cases at undercover apartments and everything else. He doesn't give a crap. He doesn't give a shit. The
1: next so talented, thing I know. Childish.
0: Uh, and, uh, fucking unbelievable. And next thing I know, I end up uh, have to get transferred to Miami because the sack says uh, to me, she was a female and she's had it with the whole situation. He says it seems like the wall has been poisoned and i have a weekend to figure out where i want to go if not i'm going to find your home and that's after 12 years being successful in tampa so i spoke to my wife and at the time my grandmother was very ill i said well i guess i will go to miami he says oh how wonderful how wonderful you've been making a lot of new friends um, um it's all true though it's unfortunate folks that's the reality of the federal government and at least the private sector, people fire each other because I worked also in the private sector. You, you're not competent. You're you're a, f- a buffoon. You're losing right. money for the company, right?
1: Are they going to keep dead weight? No, they're going to get rid of you. You work in the private sector. You know that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, they'll they'll yeah. they cut oh, you. Yeah. Listen, not just that. Not if you're not just pulling your weight if you're not making money. If you're a drain. If you're even a, there, even if there's a conflict, is there, that we're going to get rid of the guy who's causing the conflict? You know? How about how about an alcoholic? You can't give yeah. of alcoholics. We, we had guys
0: in the government you can't get rid because it because it's considered a disease,
1: right? Well, there's there's guys in the BOP that are hooked on uh, hooked on pain pills. I mean, the, the mm. cops are coming. The, the The correctional officers are coming, in. they're high on pain pills. Yep. They're you know they're they're maniacs.
0: I, I've written some about the corruption in, in some of
1: these these prison systems also in
0: my books, prison gang killers, and, and uh, some of the corruption is enormous all the way to the top, all the way to the top.
1: What was the thing in that there was a state prison where they were the guards could control the movements of the inmates by opening gate, uh, gates and they, they would end up letting two rival gang inmates into an area and they were taking bets on who would win? Oh, yeah. yeah I've, I've seen that too.
0: Or how about a lot of the female uh, inmates getting pregnant by the guards there and everything else, right? Yeah. That happens a lot. The, I think the chief in one out, out there in Maryland, I say it was in Baltimore, had like four or five females pregnant.
1: Yeah, what, my, what? so my, you know what, what's interesting is, so my wife was locked up in Coleman. Yeah. You know, Coleman had a massive uh, lawsuit of, uh, against a bunch of women getting, you know, raped. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was big. And she was there with all these girls. And it, she'll be raped you, By whom? Uh, the COs. Really? Right, but oh. here's the thing, like when she'll sit there and she'll go, She'll say her version is, which I believe is that the girls were literally targeting the the COs like they're flirting with them. They're trying to sleep with them. And then they get the the, the COs bring stuff in in for them. Mm-hmm. So they bring in food. They bring in, you know, they'll bring in cell phones. They'll bring in all kinds of stuff. And then they're sleeping with the inmates. So. Um, but technically the COs, if they have sex with an inmate, it's rape. The, the, the inmate, a female or male inmate cannot give consent. Therefore it's forcible or therefore it's rape. That's right. So, you know, listen, literally her, her, her celly was having sex with one of the guards, mm -hmm. you know? And she said, look, not that the guards weren't trying you, but she's like, they make it seem like they're being cornered and the doors are locked and three guards come in she's that's not what it is at, at all it's like the guards are flirting with them they're like you know they would get them into a room or not not trap them in a room but like hey come in come in the office they close the door and you know they'd they'd make out and they'd have sex and sure. you know and then the guard would bring stuff for them bring them in this bring them in that What? hey can i bring in some food? Un- un- unacceptable
0: unprofessional behavior
1: absolutely but yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying, I mean, from from the guards' perspective, obviously. But then the guards get charged with rape. Like, oh my god! Like you're you're charging like like I, I get it. I understand it's it's inappropriate, but they they when you hear rape,
0: oh rape, you like, think of
1: Bundy and these other psychopaths, right? Of course. So to me, it's yeah. like come up with a lesser charge. Well, to be honest with you, most of these guys just got dismissed. Yeah, fired. Yeah, they should yeah, be. They were dismissed. There was a huge lawsuit. The inmates got paid, but it was in there. You know. They specifically one woman got together and got several of the girls that had had sex with the guards and then several other girls that my wife says she's I don't I don't think that they slept with any of the CO's like I think they just jumped on the bandwagon but it was such a publicity issue for the BOP they just immediately came in and settled. Because the, let's face it, the girls that can prove they had sex with them, there's text messages. They're bringing stuff in. They have samples of you know blood sample, DNA, samples, yeah. DNA. I you know, yeah. can prove this. I can prove that. And it's like, okay, well, there's no way you could have gotten that DNA unless. No. <laughs> and then some of the some of the CEOs uh, immediately once they're cornered, they admit it. Yes, yeah. this is what happened. Yes, I also know this person did this. This per- so they're giving each other up because if you lie, and they prove it. Then you got more charges. Now now you're flying to a federal officer. Yeah. Now you got more stuff coming out of your way. So anyway, what happened is they ultimately, they let these guys go and they paid out a huge, uh, huge Uh, fine. I I, I think that's that's a huge problem throughout the country and the world. Yeah. And and not just men and women. I I think you see also men on men too. Well, you get these. Well, listen, I had, (laughs) I had a, 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 I knew a guy in there. Oh, my God, this is horrible. Um, There was a CO that had been moved around. Literally, I don't know how long he'd been with the BOP, but he'd been moved around multiple times. Mm -hmm. And um, my buddy in there, his name, I'll give his first name is Frank. Frank was an older guy. The CO was an older guy, probably late 50s, early 60s. Mm -hmm. Uh, My buddy's an older guy, early 60s. He's walking by one day and the CEO who'd only been there, you know, a week or two (laughs) says to him, tells him to come into the the office, walks in the office, he goes, close the door. And he's like, like, you don't walk in and close the door. Like what do you do? He's like, um, okay. So he closes the door. It's a low, you know? So he's sitting there and the guy says, uh, he goes, how long you been here? He tells him, i have been locked up about whatever it was six years, seven years. Oh yeah. He said, "You look like you work out." "You work out?" He goes "Yeah, yeah, I I used to work out a lot, not so much anymore. I walked the track." He said, "So he so he sparks up like a conversation." And nice. he says, "Out of nowhere, the CEO says to him, um, you know if you have sex with another man and you're you're locked up, it doesn't make you gay." And my buddy goes, "Yeah, it does." Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> He goes, yeah, it does. And he said, "No, it doesn't." And he goes, "Listen, man," he said, "I, that's I, I'm feeling uncomfortable good. about this conversation." He said, "I'm gonna go," and he leaves. Well, he immediately comes and he tells me and a guy named Donovan uh, that I was friends with. He comes outside. He's like, "Listen to what just happened." Yeah, no, and he tells us we're dying laughing. And of course, you know, listen. Most of our time was in there. It was spent just just giving each other a hard time, and. I, I said, I go. Listen, Frank, you got a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. You, you. And I said, <laughs> I mean, you might want to think. Now, my buddy Rusini is there, right? He does legal work. And I said, you might want to think about. It. I said, listen, this may be an opportunity for a, a downward to get like a Rule Thirty Five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be an opportunity for you. You've got a lot of time. You got nothing coming. And he goes, and he's like, "Fuck you." And then I said, I, and Donovan jumps in, and he goes think about it Frankie is at least give him a reach around. Uh, and so Russini says it just from nowhere Rocci goes save the sample. Like <laughs> this whole weird dying laugh and of course Frank gets yeah. upset and yells at us calls us a bunch of jerks and walks off. But yeah, I definitely can see them trying people. Oh my god, yeah. I, and I think what I'm reading what I, my experiences what the state systems even worse.
0: This the the state prisons are a, a complete the zoo. even lower. Yes. It is everything and that's where you you saw the corruption i, th- I want to say it was in baltimore and because uh, this is my book and it's, it's been a while but it it, it was like it, it was run like a criminal enterprise that the way they, they had everything structured with the females with the drugs coming in with everything it, it's just unacceptable and, and this is what you get when you can't get rid of people mm-hmm. you we'll go back to a point you have to have accountability and, and and the government that action what he did when I'm talking about supervisor, there should be accountability. When you have people that are incompetent, unfit, making bad decisions, or trying to hurt you, you have to have accountability because I'm risking my life, right? I'm meeting with these bad guys, making arrests, and then you come back and you have to deal with an asshole supervisor or a shitty prosecutor. Some and I say some of them are either bad or they got their own agendas. You know, you got activist judges, but you got activist prosecutors. Right. It, it, and the same thing applies everywhere so a lot of people have no idea how difficult to be a successful I, but i'm a motivated person i'm a type of guy that sees a glass half full no matter what right but their people get broken easy and and i and, and and they're just disgruntled they're the kind of people that just are broken disgruntled and just you know i just want to get along just get it done i said no i'm here to do the job i came here because i had a passion i want to do these cases i want to put the worst and the worst in, in prison so i have to get motivated and of course get my own personal life so i'm dealing with personal stuff right i'm having the cases and you have that person that has to you know when it's time at work i got to focus here when i'm here because if not things just don't get done and, and that's one thing i give people a message you're gonna have issues in life you're gonna have problems you gotta adapt and overcome and do things um that, that's one of the messages in the book and i also talk about i think solutions to some of the violent crime we have right i know you didn't get to the the backside there but I, I deal with, you know, solutions, how to deal with mass shootings, solutions, how, how to deal with repeat violent offenders, right? Firearms trafficking. And, and some of the things, some of gun laws, I mean, I did a lot of firearms trafficking cases. You, I talked about that, right? How much time do a lot of these guys get for firearms trafficking? Yeah, they, I they, they,
1: three years? One guy yeah. got 36 months?
0: The badasses, you know, repeat violent offenders get a lot of time, right? But if yeah. you have no history and you're running a lot of guns, you don't get much time, which, which is a problem. We, we need right. guys to get at least 10 years for massive trafficking. You, I had that case, I don't know if you remember, about the dirty FFL, the federal firearms licensee, how I worked up, right? And uh, right. he ends up getting two years after putting tons of guns on the streets. He, he violates the public trust.
1: He's well, of a guy that paperwork. was in Venezuela, was there one of the guys was in somewhere Latin America or Venezuela? Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico? Yeah, was it Puerto Rico? Yeah,
0: dirty FedEx employee.
1: No, this was a guy, he ended up getting like 30, I remember he got 36 months, I think you said. Uh, was it Escobar? His last name was Escobar? Oh,
0: out
1: uh, of Ecuador. Right. Yeah. And he said, you know, tried to say, oh, I was just selling them to friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, you're smuggling. You're a smuggler. You lied about it. You, well, it was guns.
0: you can't have those guns there. And you can't say they're a bunch of aficionados who are having fun on the weekends hunting because they weren't, there were a lot of handguns in there, and they were recovered in a house. This case started full of gang members in Guayaquil, in Ecuador. So that's how we got to leave, because he traced it back. And he was trafficking guns since his days in college, in the 90s, at LSU.
1: And he got what? He got like three years.
0: Three years. And that's significant. A lot of times you don't see that kind. You see guys, because they had no criminal history. So that those are the issues I talk about, where violence trafficking has to be taken more seriously. And, and, and that's something where, because... These guns going bad people, not just international trafficking, which uh, that was a major international case. Uh, you have domestic trafficking and you have local trafficking. And local trafficking is one of these guys getting the guns. These are bad gang members. This is how they get their guns in the black market. And it's very easy. We have people who are doing, and I did a lot of cases where I'm dealing with felons who sell up shop in these uh, flea markets or, or these gun shows, right? Private sales, right? There's no cash and carry, or you go online on the internet. And you meet people felons being felons at the parking lot of wherever and they're buying guns we we've got some big problems to deal with, with with that because you can pass all the gun laws you want and put all the gun control in place which doesn't work in my opinion but there's so many loopholes people find a way around it bad guys
1: always do bad things right and, get, and, we, and we're the ones that get victimized to good people um i was gonna say listen to this uh, and tell me if this made sense. I mean, you know, when he said it, I, I never questioned it. it. It seemed like, wow, that seems like a, a reach. Well, it, it's not a reach. It's, uh, I knew a guy that was a felon, went to, did I tell you this last time? He went to one of those gun shows with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. His girlfriend buys the gun, yeah. comes back. Um, but it was, he was in his, they were in his vehicle. The ATF, he said, had... Gone through and gotten the tag numbers of people at the gun show and run them. They saw that I was a convicted felon, so he said, like two weeks later or something like that, they pulled him over and he had the gun that his girlfriend had got, and he ended up getting a constructive yeah. possession charge, and I think he got like three years or five years or something like that. But 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 he had a, he had a history. No no he 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 was one he's a felon and two yeah. he had been arrested uh, already before for drugs. Sure. So you have a history and more time. People who are like let's say straw purchasers. Let me give this example.
0: You know, people who don't know what a straw is, that's somebody who has no criminal history, that goes into an FFL, a federal firearms licensee, buys some guns, says this gun is for me, right? He's an actual purchaser, and they end up giving the guns to a felon or something, Right. right?
1: Those people with no history, a lot of times just get a slap on the wrist and get probation. It's, it's Well, not- if if you bought a, if I bought a couple of guns, not me, but if if somebody with no history bought a couple sure. of guns for you, two years, yeah, for me, and had them for three or four years, and then went and sold them, he's not breaking the law. The problem is when they go in and they buy the gun knowing they're going to sell it to this guy. Like I'm buying it for five hundred bucks, and I'm going to sell mm-hmm. it for fifteen hundred to this guy over really? here. They can't do that, right? But, but you if don't you're much- selling your own gun, no. Yeah, if, if you're, like I said,
0: collectors collect, right? Traffickers sell, right? Now, I'm a collector. I keep my guns because I, I, I need my firearms. I want my weapons, right? And if you want to sell firearms, get your license. Do it the right way. You have to get background checks and a lot of stuff. Like, listen, I've been retired from ATF close to two years now, right? I've done the gamut with ATF investigations from undercover case agents. I, I've done all kinds of cases, and I went to headquarters. I promoted and I spent two years in headquarters, and I saw behind the scenes how things worked. Right at the top of it, I became very good friends with the number one command in the central region. And because we worked together on uh, the most sensitive projects, sensitive cases, uh, that's because of what happened to Fast and Furious. Operation Fast and Furious it had monitored more of these cases, so this wouldn't happen again. So guns wouldn't walk the technique walking to Mexico and the cartels stuff things like that so something's risky sensitive hey we got to put an end to this and see what's going on here because we don't want a public safety issue and and, and stuff like that so i saw a lot firsthand what was behind the scene but i'm not happy with the biden administration this has changed and in my opinion this is my opinion i'm going to say this has kind of weaponized atf with the bump stocks and and, and with the the pistol brace right right they, they were legal for years i know friends i know guys who bought them Right, they said there were no issues to attach it. Obviously, you're not. If people don't know what a pistol brace is, you, you put it in a handgun, and you're not supposed to shoot it from the shoulder. It's supposed to help you shoot better. It's supposed to help you brace better. You're not supposed to put it on your shoulder because then it, it becomes SBR. But people violate it, and I guess the Biden administration thought like the bump stock. You know, it's supposed to make you shoot faster. but It's almost automatic. It makes you f- pull faster, right? But Steve Paddock used it in the worst mass shooting in U.S. history in Las Vegas, right? The sniper there. on the strip during the concert and and he set up like with with two suites a a rich guy who went crazy but he used it and all of a sudden he said oh we got a band no it's what's between the ears right it's just an object why are you punishing everybody else so it becomes illegal now this is illegal right now with a pistol brace if you still have it now you are in violation are you gonna start arresting people because now they have an nfa because it's supposed to be a short barrel rifle or a short barrel shotgun, if you put on your shotgun now, even though it was legal for years to do that, so now you spent $300, you're supposed to dispose of it. You're supposed to you're take supposed it to or throw away the $300. Throw away your 300 bucks. Now, because, or try to get it registered. Good luck to you because a lot of these chiefs are not approving it because you got to get approved by the local authority in your area. Well, good luck with that. So, and, and on top of that, now, sometimes it's a waiver. Sometimes say they don't. They may pay another $200 to get registered, SOT, Special Occupational Tax. Come on, man. Uh, I'm a, a retired ATF agent. I don't think that's right. And I think that was Biden's administration using ATF to do that. And that's my opinion. Obviously, the, the director now, uh, Steve Dilbach, doesn't believe that. But he's an attorney. He was never an agent. right? right? He, he he was appointed. I mean, that's, that's a politics. I, look, I give a little ATF politics there. I don't think it's right what
1: happened there. Well, I I, I definitely don't think it's right that you're telling me that one, I'm so I, I paid for something that when I bought it, it was legal. It was three hundred dollars. Yes. Now you're saying I'm a I'm going to get in trouble? Yeah, just throw it away. Well, I'm throwing away three hundred dollars. No, you yeah. now if you have a buyback program, you're going to give me my three hundred bucks back. They don't. Yeah, that's that's and that's yeah. just fucking. It. Either go, either, fuck either
0: you off. trash it, you make it inoperable, or you have to go to the ATF office and turn turn it over. <laughs> and um, so, you, so this is my point. Are we now going to make these people felons? Is is that right now? Because they have an unregistered short barrel uh, shotgun or rifle, an SBR, and an SPS. I don't think so. That's just my, this is my opinion. This is me as a retired agent. I can say this now. Now, if I was still an agent, I probably wouldn't be able to say this. Right. I have to be honest with you because I'll be I'll be considered like a whistleblower, right? Uh, even though I've, I've said things before. And what happens to whistleblowers? They don't do so well. They, they they get end up being messed with. Just like happened when when I brought up the problems with the other idiot. Remember with the H two and all the other yeah. stuff he was doing. I get transferred to Miami. I was very happy in Tampa. I was working big cases. mine's a tougher city.
1: I did I did fine there, but that's not where I wanted to be. Um, I was gonna say, did you ever see there was a TikTok video where I, an agent, an a, I think it was an ATF agent comes? Yeah, it was an ATF agent comes to this guy's door. He's got some I registered weapon. What? I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Where, where the guy goes? Oh, hold on a second, and calls the police and says, "A guy here." He says he's he says he wants to see my guns oh, or from Columbus. You you're talking the one the guy gets arrested? yeah yes yeah that that was it, it to me one i well first of all he had taste too yeah but here's the thing what killed me is this all you know all he had to do was comply yeah show, show identification show the identification comply let him put you some know, hand know, handcuffs that's happened to me huh man that's happened to me oh let me hear what
0: happened in brooksville and uh the the same thing but uh the ffl didn't like the interview so i'm i'm always playing clothes you know we don't have a uniform. i i'm always playing clothes you know the
1: fl FL what
0: uh ffl didn't like the interview what does that mean ffl federal farms licensee oh okay the gun shop owner all right yeah so and we do a lot with them and a lot of times we're playing and some of them really are nasty you know just like the one guy we talked about got two years how how dirty was some of them? Some of them are. There's a lot of good ones, and there's some some bad ones in there. And uh, I show my identification. He, he's a liar. He, he says that some guy claimed to be an ATF agent calls the sheriff's office, just interviewing me. He's outside in the parking lot. So they come up and they say, "Hey, uh, I need to see your identification." And the whole thing. I heard you came in here. I said, like, uh, "No, I did show it. It's in my back pocket." It was like, let me keep your hands up. I said, "Okay, my hands are right here." And it says, "Where is your identification?" So one of the officers reached behind and pulls it out of my back pocket. Now I I don't want to be an ass and be stupid, so yeah. I'm going to comply. <laughs> so they looked at it, they verified it, and they explained the whole situation. I saw his situation. He said, "Okay, keep your hands up. Let me see your identity. We'll see." So, yeah, it's it, you feel like you're being disrespected. The ladies try and play a system, but at the same time, you're going to be outgunned here. You're going to be outplayed here because they're more than, and, and you're going to get uh, tased and put down, and 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 like he got he got handcuffed thrown in the back of the mark unit. I mean, my head, he bumped his head on the, I mean, the whole nine yards,
1: (laughs) you know, he look, here's what bothers me is that like, to me, the cops showing up saying, let, you know, Hey, you know, get out of the car. Let me see your, your, I don't feel like that's being disrespected. I mean, to me, it's like, like, to me, I don't know why they're here. They don't really know what's going on. They're asking to see my ID. I did. That's that's what I did. Absolutely. That's what I I, I, I did. I complied. Yeah, exactly. The problem was that guy, he immediately, you could just tell he's a dickhead, you know, Hey, don't! I'm I'm a federal agent. I'm. Hey, look! I'm sure you're a real badass, bro. But for right now, put your fucking hands up. Yeah. Let me see your. You know, I'm saying like you you do what I tell you to do right now. You don't know what the situation is. So mouthing off, what happens? He ends up escalating his head. Suddenly, he starts talking about a heart condition and everything. It's like I can't I can't can't breathe. Remember, I can't breathe. Yeah, stop it, bro. Like nobody like nobody cares about some guy who works at Walmart who's getting arrested if he's got a a heart condition or he can't breathe or, you know, no, no, we're cuffing you putting in the back of the car. You had a chance. I, I always love the people that the, the tick tocks where the guys don't want to show their driver's license or something. Oh, I don't need a driver's license to drive. Yes, you do. <laughs> That's not going to go good. Like I don't know which one of your idiot friends told you that was a thing, but it's not. No.
0: Anytime they start disrespecting law enforcement and escalate, it's you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen all the videos on on the airplanes when people start getting confrontational with the stewardess and they get out of control and then they start yelling at the pilot? That's not going to go good for you. No. This is is not going to end well. No. No. I mean, there's so many Karens and Kevins out there. Uh, Have you ever seen all those Karen videos? Yeah, I
1: love those. I love (laughs) the cops show up and they're just like, what are you doing? Yeah, he can do that. Or, you know, oh, he's videoing. He's videoing in the street. He's allowed to video in the
0: street. Yeah. Or or they go on these crazy rants for whatever reason. And and they think they're entitled and they can do and yell and and do all these things. If you haven't seen those videos, folks, take a look at them. Type in watching a Karen out of control. Yeah. They're nuts. They're they're absolutely nuts. nuts. And you can see a lot of them on the airplanes, too. That's because they will turn the plane around, which I've seen the videos. They're going to land. And guess who's waiting for you? The locals are. Yeah.
1: And and it's going to get ugly. And you see the videos; it gets ugly. Listen, I saw one the other day where the woman was escorted off the plane. But but you know, the pilot basically came out and said, "Look, you got to go." But people were videoing, and she gets upset. They didn't call the police. She just walks off the plane, yelling and cussing and screaming. And as she walks off, she screams, "I hope you guys crash, and burn, and die!" And then and right then the pilot went, "Oh hell no!" And he went after her. I have no doubt that she got she got arrested. You know, or or. The police came and questioned her that like don't get cute don't start Absolutely. talking about bombs and you terrorists and blowing up it. and dying
0: angry they get they out of control I, I don't know how people don't know how to be measured but a lot of it I go back to mental health issues because a lot of people are off their meds and you see it over and over again they get on these planes and they don't handle they don't handle orders they don't handle that your rules you're yeah. gonna you're gonna play there's lots of rules. And you think, you can't tell me what to do, and you touched me, and I'm going to let you have it.
1: Yeah, or, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. I'm a law enforcement officer. I'm putting handcuffs on you. I'm going to touch you. You're done. You're hey, done.
0: And, so, and the Jordis can't even take control of you if you're a danger to the plane. They wrap people. Have you seen the picture? They get wrapped up and everything. Oh, with yeah, yeah, tape. And tape them.
1: They, they wrap them up. I mean, okay. Hey, I have a question for you. Have you ever met any um, sovereign citizens? Mm, I've heard of them. I don't think I met one personally, unless maybe they were, they didn't tell me. Oh, listen, the jails are full of them. Like prisons, full of them. Like there's not full of them, but there's probably, I've met 30 of them. Um, I actually have done an interview with this one guy who's a sovereign citizen. And I mean, wow, they are so convincing. Like, obviously I know he's insane, but (laughs) they are so 100%. I I love people that talk so convincing and they're crazy. Confident about, well, no, a, about what they believe, but you know it's insanity. Like they, they, they're telling you like that the earth is flat or something. And they have all these reasons why it's flat. And you're sitting there looking at him like, right. And I, the whole time I'm looking at him thinking, right, right. He's thinking he's convincing me. And I'm thinking, what went wrong chemically in your mind that has you believing that you don't have to pay income tax, that law enforcement has no, no authority, no, no authority over you? Yeah. That, you know, like there's all these things and it and, and money doesn't exist. Um, you know, they, like they'll, he'll go on and on like, right, right. And what's so funny about those guys is that um, like I've never once ever in over a decade dealing with these guys have ever seen a successful um, sovereign citizen. They're always some guy staying in somebody's spare room who can barely pay their bills, who are, you know, they, they think they've got it all figured out. And yet you are the most unsecured one of the you're you're this close to being on the street. Yeah. You know, and and they never you never meet some guy living in a two million dollar house that's a sovereign citizen like that didn't. And if he does it's because he's committing tax fraud and he's about to go to prison and be indicted and go to prison.
0: Yeah well that's that's pretty much what's been out of control after Waco with Timothy McVeigh, right? Maybe he he was the ultimate sovereign citizen. And I wrote wrote a book about McVeigh and uh, the the face of domestic, U.S. domestic terror. And and it says they're one step away being McVeigh, some of these sovereign citizens, right? Because they're anarchists.
1: Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. They're not anarchists as much as they just think that, that that nobody, that the United States laws don't apply to them, which doesn't mean that they want anarchy as much as it's them saying, no, no, I'm my own person. I'm in charge of myself. Your laws don't apply to me, which is insanity. Yeah, that's insanity. Yeah,
0: you know, that, that's, that's like, and I, and I wrote a book about McVeigh and uh, what, what's been out of Waco. I mean, you think about, you know, we talked a little bit about Jim Jones last time, right? Right. We, we talked uh, about the cults. And, 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 and the French Davidians are a smaller version of the People's Temple, right? Instead of 900-something dying, it was 70-something dying in there right. and that, the firing ending there. But and the events there, i will gonna talk about a little bit. Of McVeigh, people don't know who Timothy McVeigh is, McVeigh was a, he was a decorated U.S. war veteran, yeah, in the Persian Gulf War. Very, if he would have been killed in the Persian Gulf War to liberate Kuwait from Saddam Hussein, he would have been a hero, a patriot, right? But five years later, from 1990, he becomes the worst domestic terrorist in U.S. history, and and, and it's fascinating to see his transformation. I mean, from, he had issues, well, reading, I do a lot of research, and I read all the stories and everything else. He he was kind of, when growing up, become a loner. He was kind of an introvert, right? His grandfather taught him a lot about firearms, so he became a big firearms enthusiast. He became really into firearms. Great. That's why he joined the Army. He became, decorated and all that. But he also got involved with some anti-government white nationalists, And and his co-conspirators that he uses there, uh, Terry Nichols and Michael Fortier, were also from the Army. All these guys who commit this act were army veterans who come in and get together
1: and commit this act against other Americans in the name of a tyrannical regime. What was the, it, didn't he they catch him? Didn't he also have a copy of the Turner diaries? He was also pumping that crap. He 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 gets brainwashed with, with that garbage. Uh because he
0: starts before he does all this stuff, before Waco, he, he does a tour on the gun show. I met a lot of people in the gun show circuit. They're good people, there's some bad ones. And he said the farther west he went, because reading when he was, he said the crazier or the more extremists they were, the more anti-government they were. And and those who don't know what the Turner Diaries are, it's it's about this uh, anti-government group, white nationalist group that bombs, use a truck bomb to hit FBI headquarters and take it take it out. Well, he copies it. Instead of FBI headquarters, he goes after, he doesn't like ATF, he goes after ATF and other federal agencies in Oklahoma, but he parks it. And I'll get there, he parks it in front of daycare, right? mm mm-hmm. And he later calls it collateral damage in revolution. He killed maybe the little the babies and all that. Was I don't Twenty or to...
1: thirty of them, something like that. Yeah, horrible stuff, man. Hor- and horrible. The, the federal agency, the office was was empty that day. ATF, yeah. ATF agents come in later because we
0: work later all hours, right? Because we're, we're not nine to five guys. We're, we're guys that work late. So, but he killed a lot of agents. So I think I, I remember. It's in my book. The numbers I put in there. i Think IRS and uh, DEA and other ones. But he was anti-government. He originally won instead of he, – he thought, he thought, and what he said later, was that he got his most bang for his buck with a truck bomb because he also wanted to assassinate agents. He also wanted to assassinate judges. He also wanted to kill politicians. So he really went – he snapped. He went.
1: Okay, so then why is he driving around with a, in, in a vehicle with no tag on it? Yeah. Like his guys plan things, but at the
0: end – he had fall. It was Oklahoma State trooper that pulled him over, with, with no tag at,
1: at the end. Like what an idiot! Like, like 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 all of the things that he did and yeah. put together. Like I mean, remove you know, remove the morality of the entire situation. The fact is, the the planning was it was well planned, and then you have no escape tra- um, strategy. Like you have no like it just completely Like listen to me, it's like robbing a bank. Like you could plan all the things, but if you can't figure out how to get out of that bank and get away scot-free, all that planning doesn't mean anybody. You could have gone in with a note. Yeah. You know, like it's so the idea that he planned that whole thing, um, and then gets caught on such a stupid, you know, little little technicality or little glitch he gets pulled over by the trooper. He
0: he gets arrested, enough for that. He gets arrested because he had a concealed weapon, he had a 45 Glock in his waistband. He had it in case the second fuse wouldn't go. He was going to activate himself. He was going to shoot it. And he said he was going to die in the truck with it, but he was going to have the explosion no matter what. He was going to initiate the charge himself or the second fuse. He had that, he parked that car there two days earlier. Uh, but he had a car there. Like you said, these guys were poor. Right? Yeah. They stole a lot to make this happen. I mean, it, it's unbelievable the stuff he had to pull off to
1: get this done. It took him like a year and a half to, to get it going. Did you see the interview on him? Mm hmm. Where he said he talks about where they said, What was the first thing you thought of when you looked over? And he said I was disappointed because I really thought I was gonna bring the whole building down. Yeah, he's sick. it was man. his first thought was didn't have
0: Did enough. I, get it? I didn't have enough ampho ammonium nitro fertilizer. And he had over five thousand pounds.
1: That building 5, almost pounds came pounds completely down. That that the the chunk out of that thing was the that explosion must have third. been Yeah. It, it, it was thirty thirty foot wide. Crater eight foot deep. That's impressive.
0: Mm. That's impressive. Uh, and, and he took him down. And uh, and and of course, he will become the first federal prisoner executed in thirty eight years. President Bush signed off it in June eleventh, two thousand one, and became before nine eleven. And um, obviously, yeah, he was he, okay with it though. Too, he didn't fight it. At the end, he didn't care. He didn't want to live like that anymore. He didn't want to, Terry Nichols. I thought the co-conspirator helped him get out of the explosives. Who knew about this? He should have been executed also. He, he went to a state, a state trial in Oklahoma, convicted of 168 counts of murder, but the jury was deadlocked on the death penalty.
1: How did he get caught?
0: Uh, I, I guess with, with uh, all the evidence they had and putting the case together. He rented together. the van. Didn't he rent the van? He, he, he was part, I know he was part with, with the rental. He was part of the conspiracy with the explosives. And he had all this stuff also at different storages and locations. Uh, And and so they put the case together with him. So he went down. uh, Michael Fortier also helped. His wife also helped McVeigh put fake IDs, but she was given immunity. Uh, And and, uh, he is now in witness protection program. He was out already, Michael Fortier. So he's Mm -hmm. out and about witness protection. So we have him, but he testified against both these guys. So those are interesting things about extremism, how it happens, what triggered him. I mean, what triggered McVeigh at the, at the end? He he was at Waco, and he was there during the siege, the fifty-one day siege. People who know what yeah. Waco is, they, they interviewed him. him. Yeah, they interviewed In, him. Yeah, yeah. He was selling bumper it's, stickers. Um, I <laughs> uh, uh, um, can't make this stuff up. That's why I love nonfiction. It, I know. I't do
1: anything else? It's funny because like I'll um, when I talk to these guys and research stuff, I mean, I, I am constantly telling myself that, that, I mean, I know it's a cliche, you know, that truth is stranger than fiction. But I mean, ha- there's stuff that I'm just like, I, I, I never could have come up with this. Yeah, If I had to just imagine it, like the, some of the things that people say and th- things that happened, it's like, this is insane. Is, isn't it bone chilling to watch him be interviewed there at Waco
0: where you know what he's going to do two years later on the anniversary? Yeah, Oklahoma. We just had the anniversary—the 30-year anniversary of Waco and the 20-year anniversary of Oklahoma. That's the reason what inspired me to write all the stuff and get in, involved. And in. plus, man, we had four agents that were killed. At uh, you know, like I said, like with, with with Jim Jones with Koresh, they cooperated. We talked about the agent. Why didn't he cooperate? Well, if you cooperate with the investigation, you get your time in court. Your time in court is not to open up on the agents when they come in the search warrant and say, and and how and people don't know this, they were tipped off about agents coming in because a local reporter got information and he went to a letter carrier and said, hey, where is this Mount Caramel? Well the the rings on like he got lost. I heard ATF is going to hit a search warrant. I'm covering it. Have they hit it already? Well that was his brother-in-law. And he oh. tells him what's going on. Hey ISIS is a reporter ATF's coming. So rather than being sleeping and, and and not prepared for it, they're all prepared and armed. And it's an all-out war. And four mm-hmm. agents are murdered because of it. So those, those events later trigger. And then if Koresh really wanted to let those kids out, he should let the kids out because the listening device the FBI had over there. And when they're coming after 51 days, they had enough of this. They want to get the kids out. One out they, they hear him saying, Hey, they're coming. Let's set the fire on. It, it wasn't the FBI, the feds that set the fire. He did. He started the fire. And that's that. That's out there also. So this events that said the government did this, why not cooperate? What you're the ones that triggered all these problems. You know what I'm saying? we have a legal search warrant you're illegally having firearms here he also was having sex with minors he was doing other things right you know he had some weird rules there where you know if you came as a couple he was the only one that could have sex with your wife you know he he did
1: unbelievable stuff right all these cult leaders once they get a little bit of power you know they, they they all get weird in almost immediately they get power you know power well, you know, absolute power corrupts, you know, absolutely. And they, even if these guys initially, maybe they had aspirations of coming up with some kind of a, um, a church or something, maybe they had, you know, good aspirations yeah. very quickly. It, go, it tends to go right. So the moment they get absolute power, well, they it. immediately go, get nuts. Yeah.
0: I think we talked a little about Jim Jones before people's temple, but if Jim Jones in the fifties, let's say sixties, before he got really out of control, because he, he was a civ- civil rights leader in some sense, integrating the churches, integrating right. a lot of different things. He had, he was the first him and his wife were the first couple to adapt a black child in Indiana. I mean, they did a lot of things. He would die in a car accident. He probably been a civil rights he, a hero, right? Instead he becomes a monster in 1978 for what, what happens in, in Jonestown. So people snap, people change. David Koresh was a good guy. I, I think at the beginning and then he changed and I think he became this monster. Like, like you see these guys, he should have let those children go. There's no need to set the fires. There's no need to have done all that. But at, at the end, this is what goes on because his ego is, and a lot of these guys, they believe the followers are their property, right? And we're all going down with it. This is my world. It's all mine. So mother, mother, please. Remember that? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Like
1: mother, mother, please. Listen, listening to that, um, listening to that tape of uh, Jim mm-hmm. Jones, when everybody's it's being poisoned, sickening It is. is it's, it is it is bone chilling. Like this, this is insanity. You can hear the people crying, and I I, I don't know if I told you how I,
0: what I felt. It's in my book about how I felt about Leo Ryan, the congressman, going out there. How, how how do you go out there not being armed, not having security force, not having the government with you? Did you think guys ultra paranoid? You know he's he has weapons because they're telling
1: you what's going on, right? And how well, do you I think know- they're not protected. So I thought about that. And I think and I noticed this a lot of times is that if you're if you've been raised in a non violent um, environment and you've been surrounded by it, you somehow and especially if you suddenly become get, get to like a position of power yourself, you start thinking that you're. Um, somehow or another, shielded from violence, like you don't think anything bad's going to happen to you because you've never been a part of it, you've heard about it, but you've never seen it. And all he's re- the, when he went out there, he's really just being told that we're not being allowed to leave. So he's may not be thinking that they're maybe he's not thinking that he's in danger, he's going to go out, he's going to see what happens, he's going to have a conversation, he's going to leave. He's probably not thinking that Jones is insane as in, insane as he clearly was. You probably didn't think there was that much risk. I don't
0: know. What I was reading is that he saw the affidavits. He read the reports on a local paper out there in San Francisco. He, he knew these guys were doing these horrible things in these uh, medical te- units, right? People who wanted to leave and cause problems, they were taking special treatment in the medical camps, the medical unit, and they're in, injected with a coma inducing medication and forced to become sex slaves, right?
1: You're a problem. We're going to, we're gonna wait, wait, it. Is t- Jonestown. Yeah. Jonestown. Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I don't, I haven't heard this. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's in the reports. It's all in
0: there. He knew that because he had the, a lot of people, some people were able to escape and they gave sworn affidavits. Right. And I read the affidavits. They gave sworn affidavits. What happened? He knows all this because he's even trying to figure out. He even tries to get Dan Quayle who was a representative to come with him from Indiana because Quayle's from Indiana. Listen to this. He tried to get Quayle to go with him. <laughs> And, and others, not that because, bullet. Yeah, he didn't. No, nobody wanted to go. No one wanted to go because they thought this guy was dangerous and crazy. So, this is another issue. A lot of people already told him this is dangerous. Be careful going down there. And, and he thought he was safe because he took NBC News with him, the Washington Post. Hey, I'm taking these were some of the biggest names in NBC at the time. Remember that. Th- these are big names in NBC who are going out there, They're like the Brian Williams of their time, right? And he's going down there. Dude, he cleans house on everybody. No one, no one gets out of that, that that thing alive. So the cameraman's last action, you saw the video, was filming them shooting his, his goon squad, shooting at them at the plane. That's his last thing he does out mm-hmm. there. But he, he knew how, how dangerous. So in this medical tent, medical unit, he would in, put coma-inducing medication, enslave people, put in hot boxes, if, if you were a problem, make you so big. You're Guyana, you're in the jungle, you're, yeah. you're in South Africa. He would find boa constrictors, tie you up, and wrap it around your neck, What I was reading to squeeze the life out of it. I mean, he was doing some really bad things to these people. You, He was an ultra communist. He had become a Marxist Leninist hardcore. He even went to visit Fidel Castro in Cuba and Havana and talk about, because he was a mayor of Castro. He was a mirror of Stalin. He was a mayor of, of Lenin. Uh, he even had Soviet officials come because he was creating a Soviet Marxist Leninist utopia is what he created there. And he was very Everybody gets a little bowl of rice, like Mao Zedong. Here's your bowl of rice but they ate well his command staff ate well they had meats they had everything else but the people had to put 12 hour days in on the land and, and he, he used them as, as, as slaves and these were disenfranchised people mostly uh, african blacks that he brought from northern california and they went from one hell to another an inferno so they cost
1: them everything and their children mm. i see i just thought that there were families that were saying that their, their family members weren't communicating with them. They were in Guyana, they were being, and they felt they were being held against their will. Maybe they'd gotten a letter. Like I, that, I didn't know that there was. The, the there was there that escaped and, and wrote affidavits that he was aware, he knew they had weapons. He knew that they were doing mock drills
0: to prepare for this mass suicide because he had a preparing mock drills. He would have white Night drills where he said the government's coming and he would have the guy shoot above their heads for the followers and the crowd on the floor to keep fear instilled in them. He knew what he was getting himself into. I think that was a, get a madman like that to approach him like that. And then all of a sudden everybody wants to leave. He's not going to have that. Remember they all said, I want to leave. They'll start giving people notes. You want to get out of here. Yeah. that just And then the video, the one guy trying to stab him. Remember that one? One guy tries to stab him. And then the reporter says, we got to get out of here. This is getting out of control. And all of a sudden that's when they follow them to the tarmac there and the planes and they kill him. And and his, if you haven't read the book, you haven't seen their interview, Jackie Spear does a great interview. She survived. She was an assistant. She plays dead for 24 hours, taking five rounds in and lays in a tarmac for 24 hours, playing dead until the army of Guyana comes in and and she's saved. They they, they thought they had killed her and she plays dead. You haven't seen Jackie Spear's interview? Listen to that and what she says. She later became the congresswoman in his district years later. Hmm. Yeah, good stuff. All right, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I did true not. Crime, man. Hey, with me, you get true crime. You get an all dimensions with me, and I can talk. All no day way it is getting monetized. So huh? I will let you know if it does. <laughs> and and we don't even do politics. We just did true crime. No, I can have more fun with politics too if you wanted. That's another time. Um,
1: yeah. So, oh again, my gosh! And you can see my poster behind me here. ATF undercover. You liked it? Thumbs up. Yeah, that's the book. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not done yet, but yeah, it was good. Good, it was Thank good. Thank you. I, pre- um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. We'll we'll put the description. We'll put the the link. Is that the only one that's on
0: Audible? I'm working with Sean, man. He, he's a busy guy. So um, you are getting I'm, the other I'm ones on Audible? With, I'm trying to pull a lot of them on Audible. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's a lot of work it's uh, for him especially i i did uh, the the writing already but i'm always cranking more out i would like to put psycho killers out, out there on all because i think people really it's scary and I, I think people need to know how dangerous serial killers are they everywhere I, I think people don't understand how prolific they are
1: They're i everywhere. heard the other day that the average person comes in or crosses the path of something like was it like three to six three or it was like three or six um psychopaths a day that they actually come into contact with and don't even know it don't even know it i don't know if that number is correct i don't know how you figure that number out but I don't know how you that number, but, but
0: there's many of those are jekyll and hyde that's for sure they, they can have a normal life and a night they transform themselves in, into the sociopath psychopath which they have no consideration for life they don't care they don't care about life existence and what's sad is a lot of them prey on young children and that's heartbreaking That that really is because they never had a life and they die horrible ways uh, which is and, and that's why people have to be stranger danger be aware of your environment and and don't trust anybody you don't really know i mean that's so what D- D-
1: bundy was really good at this M- you remember i don't know you saw the documentary on bundy yeah he was super charming no everybody said he was charming Everybody said he was charming. how about he, he he has he has the
0: crutches right he always has the books and so he has the young ladies hey can you please help me to the car and second mm-hmm. they help him in the car boom gets thumped in the head and that he, he knew how to kill people quietly and all these guys learn that quickly. It's not about shooting someone, making noise or stabbing, where this could be yelling and screaming. You thump them in the head and then they break their neck or they do whatever, and that's it. Quiet, like a, little, like a chicken, right? Quietly mm-hmm. done. And then he does bad things later. And, and those are more things that they, they, they would do. If you're interested in that, look into it. You see my book, but I, I can really describe more of the stuff that he does afterwards, which is unbelievable.
1: I'm not going to, I'm not going to read that. So, but I You're hear you, I'm not, I'm not, but I hear ya. Um, but if you, but if you like that kind of stuff, read it. You know, how did you become an ATF? was it something you were always interested in that sort of thing? You know,
0: where were you born? Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Los Angeles in, in California, uh, but raised in South Florida in uh, Miami. <clears throat> and, you know, I've always had some interest in law enforcement. Obviously, you know, you grew up in the same times I, I was born. Uh, in the, in the 70s, and I grew up when I was younger in the, in the 80s with Miami Vice, right? And I'm right. in I'm in South Florida, right? Uh, how, how cool you have seen Don Johnson, you know, you're, you're watching the cool cars and Ferraris, right? You're thinking, man, that, that that is pretty cool. So that always was, you know, always in the back of your head, and you're looking at that, but never thought I would ever do that kind of work, really. I, I kind of you know that was cool, and I like the guns, I like the training, I like putting down these bad guys, and. And the cocaine cowboys were, were huge back in, in the 80s. Well, years later, you know, I go to college. I went actually up not far from where you're at, up to uh, St. Louis University. It's a Catholic university. And I got my degree in, in political science and, and history. Then I come back to uh, FIU in Miami. So now we're looking about the mid-90s. And uh, I get, I'm get i working my degree in international relations. And I was a little bit of law school. I got accepted to a law school in Lansing, Michigan, Thomas Cooley, and you know the first thing in my head, but and I'm seeing the prices, how expensive law school is, and this is mid 90s, a lot more now obviously, but even in the mid 90s, and I didn't have a, I had a scholarship in college, I played tennis, on number one for my school, but it was going to cost me about like about thirty thousand a year, right, thirty thousand a year, three years at least, you have housing, you got to get your loans for all that stuff, and I'm thinking, and I know how competitive is law school. And some people are saying, man, that's a lot of money. But I already have my degree, very athletic. I was shooting. My dad taught me how to shoot uh, early in life. We'll go to the range. My dad was a gun. So I'm competent with a firearm, right? I'm athletic. And I'm thinking, wow. And I noticed internet just started, right? This is 1995. Windows came out. And I didn't use it in college, but I said, man, this is the future, right? So I got myself a computer and I taught myself. Because this, this is people that said, what are you doing? What's what's emailing? What do you do? I got myself a Yahoo account. People are prodigy, right? People had no idea what, what the stuff, what dial up, what are you, what are you doing? And it's like, well, this is the future. And people like, no, I don't think this is going to last. I think, no, I, I think this is going to Is Listen, I was one of those guys. I was like, this is going to catch on. This is people are not going to spend their time online. What? What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, no, I think it will. Especially when I saw everybody pumping, especially get government jobs. You, that's why I went to so USA. That's one of the reasons I went on there because USA uh, jobs was available to look at what was opening. And I, I was interested in going with customs. So I applied for customs, right? They were looking for Spanish speakers, which I grew up in Miami. My parents are uh, Spanish Cuban. Uh, they came, grandparents from Spain went to Cuba. And then after the Castro Revolution, they uh, they came to the United States uh, and they lost everything. And they had my family start all over again. And I'm fortunate enough to be in this great country. And done uh, quite quite well within one generation. The wealth they lost in Cuba, I, I've done quite well in this country, and uh, it's a very fortunate, great nation that we that we live in. And I talk about that in my books also. So I work on that, and I put in there. And so they need people because in, in Miami, in Miami International Airport, uh, most of the flights, eighty-five percent of them, come from Latin America, right? So they want the customs officials to be able to engage and speak Spanish because it's easier to catch people who are mules or smuggling drugs you got to know what you're dealing with and i grew and i grew up in miami so i grew up with all the different cultures from south america from latin america from mexico a lot of my friends so i knew all that and i spoke spanish right. so i put in for the jobs right and i got it pretty quickly with customs so that was something where i was going to law school and i said this is better because now i'm making quite a good money i'm gonna have a good pension right i'm in law enforcement and i and i really enjoy it, it is satisfying what the kind of work i'll start doing so you start there at the airport you get your cut your, t- your teeth into like password processing and then i make one of their elite teams with customs called the contraband enforcement team and at the time of the 90s in miami south florida is making some of the biggest seizures in the country right you know you still have the cali cartel you still have the Medellin cartel and they're still pumping a lot of drugs and i don't like what the mexicans i do when they take over they, they're doing it the uh, school way with cargo they're doing with ships they're, they're doing with the florida and the caribbean and that's how they're getting it through to especially in florida
1: so it wasn't uncommon you know after you and the job you know so i was saying or you're saying back then that's how they're doing it or you're saying that's how they're doing it now no no back then back
0: then okay the, cali, okay. the Medellin, cali all those guys have collapsed and now the yep. mexicans and, and i've written books about how strong they've got and they, they're almost a, more powerful than the than the, the columbus ever were you know, you, you talk about El Chapo, El Menchels, and I'll, I'll go into that also, how strong they've become and how they've changed the game completely and how we have to change, you know, and I've written about that too in my experiences. So I get in there and so, you know, I'm now in the middle of the drug war, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the front line, you know, so, uh, with customs. Uh, so what do you do? I mean, what, what is that, what does that detail consist of? Yeah. So Miami has a ton of cargo. That comes in through latin america right and also passengers a lot of it coming in and, and my job in the border you know border authority is everything that comes international is subject to search right i don't need probable cause like i would later when i became an agent which is a completely different game so it was a lot easier to make seizures and and, and make arrests because when you come in you have your questions people can be searched and you figure out what's going on right there um and with cargo side it's everything comes in and especially from Latin America, transitional country, it wasn't uncommon for me to see, we can see 850 pounds of cocaine that was coming in in a group of fish that was coming from Guayaquil, Colombian drugs, going to Colombia, going to Ecuador and then being shipped because within five, six hours, it's in Miami. And the corruption was really bad in, in South Florida, right? At the airport, you had, the ramp workers were dirty. You had the longshoremen were dirty. Uh, you, you had a, a ton of corruption. The money's overwhelming. And that stuff was never going to go where it's supposed to go. It gets ripped off, right? It, it has the uh, the bill lading, right, where it's supposed to go. But little stuff never go. When you got that kind of fish, when you look inside this ma- major grouper, you get a kilo of coke next to a, bro- a block of ice. <laughs> that stuff was going to get taken out. And 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 that was not uncommon to see 600, 800 pounds coming in and get ripped off. And that's what we got. So wh- what does that tell you? The stuff that got in? A lot. Yeah, what's not getting caught? A lot a lot and they knew that was the quickest way to get it in because the demand back in the ni- 80s and 90s and still today unfortunately is enormous for for cocaine i, I always said the way to stop the cartels if people stop using the stuff right if people got the treatment the cartels are out of the drug gig right it's over that's it yeah we win the, the war on drugs the way we win the war on drugs and which audience to know is from within from within but a lot of these bad countries are weaponizing cocaine especially the Nicolas Maduros from Venezuela, right? You've got countries who are really enemies, they're communist enemies, and they're selling cocaine because they know that does damage to our country, the workforce, the people,
1: their future, and everything else. It, Cuba, was it uh, Castro said it was the, the? he said the pink menace, or he said that was the best way to undermine the United States was through the importation of drugs? Yeah, Hugo o- o- Chavez from Venezuela,
0: he used to he used to do that before. Oh, He died. Yeah, for Venezuela. Uh Cuba saw it, but Castro did not want to be called an a trafficker, right? Because he, he saw so what happened to Noriega, right? Back back in the late eighties, Manuel Noriega, when he got involved in the US ended up invading and bring him over. Uh the the former president of Honduras, Hernandez, he was a big time drug trafficker. He just got extradited to the United States. Uh Maduro
1: has been indicted. So I thought I, I had read something about Cuba like Castro wasn't like involved in it but he was allowing for a short for a period of time he like allowed planes to land or fly through fly through yes. air airspace yes. and, then, yeah, he and then he caught up with them. and then he was like okay we're done with that yeah yeah he, he didn't want to get caught
0: up with that but he would tolerate some things but not on the island because he didn't want to give the united states a chance to bring him in because it happens to world leaders all over they get involved in the drug game it's a conspiracy against us in the united states and we've had the case on, and we extradite these guys and bring them over. And El Chapo is a perfect example of what happened to him when, when he finally got extradited. And now he is in the Supermax in uh, Florence, Colorado. And, and so he was a very, very powerful guy and not so much. So I, I'm caught in kind of that fascinating view, frontline, right? I'm meeting a lot of people because we make a lot of seizures. So I'm networking with the FBI. I'm networking with ATF, especially DEA, Customs. At, at a time where Department of Treasury and after 9-11, everything changes, right? You know, every, everybody changes. Uh, ATF will end up going to justice. Uh, customs will go to uh, Department of Homeland Security. It would leave Treasury. So a lot of things change. Uh, we're making a lot of good seizures. uh it, ones that were kind of strange were, like, people who would swallow, like, the pellets. Yeah. The swallowers. Oh, we would get a ton of that. I mean, it, it is really, I mean, we got a lot, but a lot also got through. And, and it's really sad because some of these people were peasants, right? They, they would get used, or they say if you don't do it. And these are the cartels. They go in these villages, right? And they pretty much force these guys to do it, or they're, they're gonna hurt your family, kill the family. Some got paid. I mean, I found it. The guys who went, let's say, if you were from you know Miami or you were from Puerto Rico and you end up flying to uh, you know Cali or something like that, you stay there for three, four days. Like, uh, why are you there? What, what, what was your purpose of your trip, right? Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the trip was to swallow these pellets. And I got really good at it. I mean, you could easily have two or three pounds of cocaine in you or heroin. Heroin really started picking up in the 90s with the Colombians, right? And that's that's a lot of money, a lot of dope in there. But the problem with that <clears throat> is something, if it leaks, you're going to plane. It's so pure, you're not going to survive. So we get calls a lot. Of people are dead on arrival. They're on the planes. So we got to clean them up. Uh, it's not easy to pass either. So if you can't pass the stuff fast enough, even when we catch them, we would have to take them to the hospital at MIA and give them these laxatives, and it still takes a while to pass it. These cartel members, if you you make it and you're in one of these hotels, which happens all the time, you can't pass the stuff fast enough, they'll put a bullet in your head, they'll gut you, and they'll take the stuff out. So a lot of times, they were lucky that we caught them because it, it, it was not not good stuff for them. And even then, sometimes it still need surgery. The stuff wouldn't come out. I mean, it's it's it's, it's really it's risky. It's sad. It's it's horrible to see these people, and, and this is something I'm seeing firsthand. You know, a guy who was say, "Man, this is the war on drugs. This is how it looks like. This, this is what's going on. It, it becomes normal, and natural. You feel bad because people being used, right?" And well, it's much. It
1: It's much sexier from from Don Johnson's point of view. From the yeah. Don Johnson point of view, it's yeah. much sexier. He's got the Ferrari. He got the Ferrari, which is cool. Got, he folds up. Remember you would fold off the, the suit you remember yeah. the, the jacket. The, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it so. had yeah, the cool, the cool colors, right? Yeah. yeah. So far your version of it sucks. Your version is work. Right. Yeah. That.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of work. That's, uh, that's true. It's not glamorous, but you, you're satisfied. At least you're stopping that from going to somebody else. that's going to maybe hurt their life that, that part there. So you see a lot of that Miami. I, it's just a ton of that. They'll put it in the stems of flowers. I mean, talk, talk about the detail of work, right? They'll hollow them out and fill them all up. That's impossible. I mean, it's really hard unless we had intelligence or a great dog to really hit that because the X-rays are hard to reach. So they would do crazy ways you could imagine to smuggle stuff in. Uh, they would hollow out tiles, you know, for roofing and put a kilo in each
1: one. I I wrote a I wrote a story about a guy. That's what they did. They had the concrete
0: yeah
1: pallets and concrete tiles that they were yes open in and, and came in with pallets yes it it's it, 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 that's, a, that's a level of corruption because that's not really
0: going to where it's supposed to go that's going to get ripped off and it's going other places so that's how corrupt it was in the 80s and 90s and and beyond um and things have changed now and i'll talk a little bit about that what happens the collapse you know escobar was killed the collapse of the Midian cali cartels and then the mexican cartels stepping up and working with the farc which has now changed even they changed now and, and now they have a different name uh and, and they're working with them they're bringing the coke to them and mexico takes care of all distribution they handle from there on they, they take it all they don't have to worry about that you just make it we take care of it we go into colombia so the mexicans pretty much are running colombia and, and central america it, it, they're not just in mexico they're all over the region and and, and then of course on top of that you have the collapse with the communism and socialism that's taken over the region which really paralyzes the whole country that's why we're, we're really have to keep an eye on what's going on in there so i made a lot of contacts and I said, you know what? This is cool. I don't mind doing this kind of work, but I wouldn't mind. So I dealt with a lot of agents, investigators, to take it to a next level, which is what you do as an agent. I mean, you're not stuck. To, I'm not stuck to the airport now. As an agent, I get to go all over the country, all over the world, right? Make my cases, about probable cause probable and, cause and, uh, and stuff like that. So I, I networked a lot with FBI, uh, ATF, DEA, and customs. You know, it makes sense. Since I was ready with customs. I would just go over as an agent right? Since i worked a lot with these guys, but they didn't want to give up a lot of their inspectors because they know it's hard to fill those positions. So they didn't want to hire. So I had to go with other agencies and put in for them because I, I, it's not fair to me. I wanted to be an agent. I wanted to be an investigator. I wanted to do other things. So eventually, ATF was the fastest one that picked me up. You know, within that time within Department of Treasury, I get picked up with them. And then a year later at 2000, I get picked up as an ATF agent and more in Tampa, Florida. Nice. Which
1: so I. I've- for, for clarity purposes. So here's what, you know, cause just, this is what I, I, I understand. So, and I only understand this because I've written several stories. I wrote a story called uh, American Narco. And, and so it, it, so you're saying like, right, as a custom agent, like you find this, you find the drugs and you're like, okay, then you're notifying somebody else because, and then they're setting that, trying to either follow that, that, you know, the, that that, that, dr- that drug shipment and bust the guys is that it yes. because so you know, I let me give, yeah. can I give you an example. I had a what the story I wrote they had shipped in marijuana in these tiles mm. and they allowed the shipment like they picked they delivered the shipment put, and these guys loaded it into their warehouse sat it there for like a week yep. and there was a tracking device sure. inside the thing and so they start unpacking the whole thing and suddenly there's this black box with a little light on it and these wires and they're like oh shit they throw it they run you know but of course by that point they're pulling up and they the, the exactly. gig is up yeah they bust them like 2 days later they come and raid their house or something their houses and stuff but so at this point with customs you're just saying hey here's what we found and they're doing the rest of that you wanted to actually be the guy to okay, go The next level yeah. right yeah. okay yeah Well, I just clarifying what the next level is
0: yeah because they're they're customs inspectors right that's the term I think it's changed now, but the term used to be customs inspectors, but you had arrest authority and you did everything else. And then there's the agents, the criminal investigators that go and you give them, hey, I just had this huge seizure right now with this fish, right? 850 pounds. All right. We can sometimes set up surveillance within the airport, right? Close to the airport, the warehouse. But if it's going, let's say, to New York City, right? Well, they're taking it from there. Yeah. They're there. We're not going to New York City. I I, I got to stay and do my job and do the next shift and, and get some more dope that's coming in because you know what it doesn't stop. They they they, they knew if they, they they factor those losses in because that's, that's part part doing business. Right. With the Colombian cartels, it just they just keep on bringing it in. Okay, hey, they got this one. Guess what? We just got another four thousand in. And, and that doesn't that it's
1: it's dope.
0: So I wish we so I picked up with ATM. Because sometimes you don't know right you take a chance sometimes they may say the southwest border sometimes you, you might have to go to new york city or a big city where it's really expensive i got fortunate enough i stayed in uh, florida i went to school like i said st Louis university up uh, just north of tampa in uh, where you're at pasco county and uh, i started working from there and i was fortunate enough, the group i started a lot of guys worked undercover because you can't just go into undercover work cold like that right if you do that you're going to get hurt right? i mean you can watch all the my advice you want I watch all the TV shows and, and Donnie Brasco. And, and that was also very popular back in the uh, in the 90s. Remember Donnie Brasco with uh, Al Pacino yeah. and Johnny Depp? Yeah. You, know, you watch all yeah. this stuff, but it's one thing on television, right? Like you said, and one thing, the real world. And the real world is you've got to know how these can be. Like I said, I grew up in Catholic schools, right? And now I have to learn this world. I learned a little bit for the drug world, which is fascinating. But now I got to work face-to-face undercover where I pretend to be like these guys and how to fool some of these guys who are hardened professional criminals, that's all they do, and make them think I'm
1: one of them. Because I'm nothing like it. I, I, we, I was going to say, which is, is you know, l- l- you like you said, you watch it on TV and people think, oh, I could do that. No, you can't. They they spot you in a second. It, I used to joke around, you know, with uh, the guys in, in prison. Like, you know, they would just be walking and they'd see me and they say, hey, Cox, what's up? And i go, I can't call it. And they just stop. They go. They just start laughing. They go. Stop. I go. What are you talking? I did that. I did that. Good. They go. No. It, it's even worse when you do it. <laughs> they're like. They're like. You're not even close. You can't uh, even come close to pulling out. And you can't. You just can't fake that. Yeah. You know. it, it it's hard. It, it's a real. You really have to become an actor to be able to fake. That's true. To That's be true. able to fake that. You have to be good at it. It, it takes time. It takes time. You got to practice it, and it, it takes years. <laughs> so
0: I had good mentors, right. I watch a lot, and, and you develop your own technique, right? You watch these guys. I spoke Spanish, so that's an advantage. <clears throat> I make sure my English was broken. I didn't sound like that. I it just came back. Cool. the uh, Año, right? Right. So you, you, you have to come up and let my hair really long. I think i sent you some pictures. I don't know if you saw them yet. I haven't uh, seen them him yet. Yeah, I've seen them. I'll check them out. All right. sent you some pictures. My hair was long. I had a big beard. I didn't want to get all of the tats. Some guys have, because when I got out of it, I knew I'll be done with it. Right. right i want to go back to who i was i i, I because i don't want to be like oh great i got this now people say what the heck's wrong with this so that was never me i, I never really cared for it that, that wasn't my thing so i wanted to fake enough the beard's okay the hair was long enough you do the accents uh you get to know the culture Get to know these guys uh it was easier to deal with people that they were not spanish speakers you tell your story what you're working with you say hey these families are looking the cartels are looking for guns right because they are and my job here is to be an ATF, is to buy a lot of guns. And these guys, I don't want to out any paperwork, right? Because I don't want to show up in no shop and put my information right. in there, right? So th- these guys will sell me guns off the street, untraceables. And you pay a premium for that because that's what you want. And a lot of these guys have horrific criminal histories. So I dealt a lot with repeat violent offenders. I dealt a lot with gang members, uh, armed drug traffickers, international firearms traffickers, domestic firearms traffickers. Uh, I dealt with armed home invaders. Uh, case for murder for hires so that was atf's niche what, what does atf do alcohol tobacco firearms well it's a small a for alcohol a small t for tobacco a huge f and immediate e for explosives so we do a lot of gun cases And mean say a lot of guns and, that, and that's what atf is uh and so i found that fascinating and I, I knew something about guns but man i i became an expert on pretty much the gun control act nfa national firearms act and all the different weapons from machine guns silencers pipe bombs you know atf someplace called with all the training atf stands for all the fun because we would do a lot of shooting i mean we, we, i i trained in handguns from pistols revolvers my m4 which is a short uh, short barrel rifle right i had shotguns yeah something short barrel shotguns also we were shooting so we trained in a lot of different weapons and then we also were familiarized in case we come across different machine guns we know what we're doing right gotta make sure and check all that stuff out so <clears throat> that's what that's what we did atf and it's something early enough you have to cut your teeth you know what one of the guys i worked with um he was puerto rican and he was involved back in the 80s in a shootout where he had a sig nine millimeter the bad guy has sig nine millimeter he fired the round and his round went into his gun and plugged the barrel so he's like this and the round goes like this it's like one in a million damn and high back in the 80s so it, it can get ugly and wild so we had a good time we had some good stories and i learned a lot from him and him had puerto rican and i saw how he tackled things and all that so i developed my own style we worked a lot together and then i grew up and then you know what helps, also helps having good informants you, yeah. you have a good informants which we developed a lot of these guys they can pretty much you, you walk on water it's at gold. you say hey he vouches for you Here's some more questions it's just yeah. stupid let's do business Hey, he said, you're the guy. Okay, man, this is what you want. No questions asked. And boom, 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 boom. This is what these guys do. But if you have a bad informant who's playing both sides, it'll destroy your investigation. Yeah, yeah, You have to have them accountable. So you really, and once you, that's why I like to, once I have the introduction, I cut them out. Yeah. And I I want to deal with the drama with an informant. They can ruin your case. I put too much hard work because ATF is a very smaller outfit than the FBI or DEA right? We have less than 3,000 agents, I think 2,800, right? FBI has four times that, enormous size. So, we, we just can't delegate, hey, I need you to do surveillance. I need you to do undercover. I'm the case. I do everything. I, I, I'm i the, the undercover. I'm the case agent, right? I deal with property. I deal with my own intelligence workup. I, I wear all the different hats because you have to, because we're a smaller outfit. If you want to do the bigger cases, no, you
1: want to say small, that, you don't do that. Right. I was going to say the uh, informant thing. I'm I'm researching a story right now and it's like it's funny, you know, you do all the incident reports. You you read through the incident reports and the first thing they do like literally obviously this guy got busted. You know, he got he got busted. I think he got No, he got busted for I think it was for a gun actually. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and he makes them they have him make a a, a couple of meth buys. You know, and just, he's just wired, like, he's just wired. They're just control buys. Then they have him eventually introduce, you know, his his boss, right. which is the undercover. Then the undercover goes with him on a couple of buys. Sure. Then just the undercover buys. And then they, they cut the informant out. And, yep. you know, and to me, like having been in prison, I realized that the problem is, like, if you're a whole, you can't let him keep buying You can't let the, 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 um, informant keep lying because first of all, he's unreliable. He's got a record. And then what happens if he gets busted for something else? You know, you, you can't put him on the stand. Like, it was. since then you've been busted for this and this, like, and he has a huge incentive to lie and the agent doesn't. So, you know, you want to put somebody on the stand and you want it to be the agent. That's right. The clean jacket. He introduced me. Here's what I did. I bought. A kilo over the course of the next month. Yeah, that's
0: that's the best way to do it. You you have to because and and unfortunately some of these guys have have uh, drug addictions, right? Yeah, they and they and they keep on doing stuff. They get messed up and they don't. They're not right when they're high, right? And and they do stupid things. So those are the factors you got to get into. That's why I was fortunate. Some people don't want to do undercover work. Not for everybody. I I just I I liked it. I I really decided. I I kind of like playing the role. I like, and I deal with all kinds of people. I just told you about the, the variety, but I also the variety of people from different Hispanic groups, different blacks, uh, different uh other European groups, right? Just a variety, a variety of people. And uh because it worked and what I was doing, it makes sense. It's based on what's really going on. The cartels have people, they need guns, right? And by the way, not only buying the guns, but I also like, like selling some drugs on the side. What else do you have for personal or for other use? So, I buy doping guns. Sometimes you come across some other stuff. Hey, I have also some body armor. You looking for the body. Yeah, I'll take some ballistic armor. It's amazing what people start telling you and what they do and what else it leads to. Hey, I'm also doing this too. Hey, this guy is also into uh explosives or into this. Oh, hey, this guy's selling a lot of cigarettes without tax stamps. You know, we do those cases too, a lot less, but yeah, we do all that stuff. So it really opens up when people talk and they feel confident with you. You get a lot of different. And I had everything, like I said, for, for trial purposes. I want to make it like a movie, right? I want the jury to feel comfortable. I want the, first of all, I had to make the prosecutor feel comfortable. And once he feels comfortable, then the jury. Do okay. um,
1: you hear that? Yes. Can you hold on a second? Sure. <laughs> Sorry. No just. Um, I don't even know what that is, but here's the funny thing about it. <laughs> Since I'm speaking with you, is my wife's ex-boyfriend was arrested for um he had a dispute with a guy over i'm i'm pretty sure i think it was drugs or something and he made a bomb oh no and left it for the guy it didn't go off oh my gosh that's crazy um but he ended up going to jail for it and like he's on like the no fly list and so every time I get a package and I walk out, my first thought when I see the package is. Yeah, what too? Please let this guy, <laughs> please, please let this really be from Amazon. And I keep, you know, it's so funny. Oh gosh, sometimes I get deliveries and it's, you're not, it's like, it's just, it's just there. And I always, I'll, I don't unwrap it. I'm, my girlfriend comes in. I'm like, you're unlocking, you're, you're opening that. It's, it's not uncomfortable. A lot of people get into making these pipe
0: bombs, right? and they tighten them up in there but it's also very dangerous if you don't know how you do it right
1: they cut some with the flit too early and explode so they have damage it's it's very volatile i, very I actually had a I actually had a friend that was making a pipe bomb when he was like 15 16 years old and it exploded blew his hands off the shrapnel they, like he bled out within a minute oh no but 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 he he died and you know just a kid just being stupid you know yeah. thought it was cool had made a couple small ones and just playing never once thinking to himself like hey this could be it this could be you you understand what you're playing with right like this isn't a joke no this is it isn't like playing with like firecrackers
0: and stuff like that it's even you you might lose your finger or something you're not careful with it but a pipe bomb that's no joke and and then these guys get really nasty with it some of them put like shrapnel inside to really do some serious serious damage so um yeah so that's the kind of case i wanted to do I, i wanted to make sure for the jury and for the prosecutor that we had good video right i wanted to make sure it is clear it's like watching a movie i wanted the jury to see okay this is the evidence watch the movie and that's the big difference you see between the federal side and state and local right especially with the local sometimes uh it, it, it gets a, a little bit different federal we, ha- we have a little more time to take our time with the case make it the strongest case we can and get as many people as possible that that's why we uh have a little more time and it's different that's why i like the federal system we have a chance to really make the cases bigger and stronger. And we have good prosecutors. That's A lot of them are career prosecutors, and they really know how to make good cases. Um, so that's what I did. I wanted to make sure undercover-wise I had, and sometimes with informants, there's always issues with the with equipment sometimes. They, they could be messed up and everything else. So but they're not professionals, right? They, they didn't go to school for this. They don't understand case law. They don't understand entrapment, right? You, you want to make sure people understand, you know, this is what they do. This is what they're involved in. You don't want to bring someone who's not involved in this kind of work they're actively doing this they're predisposed this is what they do and right. this, and, and they have the history of doing this right so these are all the factors you got to come as a professional you bring that to the table and informants are i say say necessary evil right because they are the eyes and ears in the street because i can't live in the street right the reality is i pretend to right, right? and then i go back to the office i get a lot of paperwork i gotta go to the prosecutor I got to deal with evidence. I, I, it's, I got to talk and give a briefing. So it's it's a whole different world. And, and you just show up. But the good thing about them, even though it would cut them out, remember their eyes and ears, they can still tell you, hey, I heard so and so had some doubts about you. Mm-hmm. I need I need to tighten this up a little bit. When you come back with me and let's have another conversation with them, make sure you, you vouch for me and make sure, hey, this is the guy, man. Uh, there's nothing to worry about. So those are good things. You keep them a distance, but you still have make sure that they're listening to what's going on because that's important because the last thing you want to do is get uh cut off guard and and i was fortunate enough i mean there's always some hairy close moments right but you know you, you gotta have and, I, and i'll give you an example and i and i put it in in my book atf undercover which um i talk about and this happens and i did a lot of work in pasco county and uh had an undercover apartment in West chapel i had i still oh, I live i know i know i did uh i used to live there west chapel and then moved down south when i first started working out there a lot cheaper than tampa when i in 2000 i know what 54 is completely different than it was 20 some years ago
1: well i live all i live off 56 you know 54 turns into 56 so but yeah it's even further like it's a 15 minute drive to 75 from where i live it's like living in the truman show though i mean it's the houses are everything's brand new. Every, everything's underground. You know, all the houses look I mean, it's it's a great it's it's a great area. Like everybody it's funny, on on my street, there's two sheriff's deputies, there's like an insurance salesman, there's a couple bankers, like all, the only I'm the riff raft on the street. So you know, fifty six you're not too far from, from Lando Lakes either then. No. No very very close very close yeah yeah, Michael, I, don't, I, know, yeah
0: I, I got to i got to know uh Pasco really well from making the cases so i got to know Pasco. i don't know how much you know Pasco county but i i got to know all the way to new port ritchie port ritchie the hudson area even across near tarpon springs uh and going to zephyr hills so this takes place i'll tell you this story here this happens in zephyr hills zephyr hills people who don't know zephyr hills or date city at the time I was working, I will say it was back in 2000, until 2012. And this story takes place on 2009, 2010. So that's, that's this is the date City Pasco I'm talking about. And the Mexicans were picking it up, right? They're moving a lot of meth. There's no more meth labs. There, there's still some, but now they're bringing a lot of the meth from Mexico. They're just right. piping it in. And that whole era became a big pipeline, which, right. which I, I was seeing. Is still, I, I think a lot of still drugs and a lot of Mexicans still out there, which this is how, where everything's changed a lot. And this is a trailer. I meet with this guy. He, has a, he he's, he's a career criminal, uh, drug trafficker, Right? I had him forward, make an introduction. First time me and him are sitting in the car together. I meet him out 301 and uh, we're going to drive to these trailers, shady trailers, predominantly Hispanic, right? And he, he's talking to me, he's me his history. He said, man, yeah, I'll get you these guns and all that. But I, I used to move a lot of coke, a lot of product. I, I, I was moving two or three easy kilos a week. Uh, I was like, okay. So, I said, you tell me. I I mean, he just got out. He wants to get back into the game. This is what he does. I said, okay. Uh, So he he took me there. He's a non Spanish speaker, and he he takes me to the trailers. And he said, hey, this is my guy here. He has the guns. Some guys give a heads up. A little nervous about this. They say sometimes guys who buy guns a lot are feds. I said, no, I'm no fed. Of course you got to deny that. You're not gonna. (laughs) You got me. You got me in there. It's over. (laughs) Let me take you back home. Uh, No, that's that's gonna happen. So you deny that, and he goes in there. <clears throat> and i talked to his guy who's there hispanic bullhead right and we're talking a little bit in spanish he's testing me out which is fine and he goes he goes in the trailer so him and i are sitting outside in my truck and i see more people we get out of the car and he's on one side i'm on the other side and i can see there are a lot more people going to the other side of the trailer right a lot more people going inside. I mean, he can't see that i can see that right so i can see that so you're gonna have instincts to say listen i just met you guys the deal we're supposed to be doing is for an AK-47 with 75-round drum, two Glock pistols, almost an ounce, ounce of meth for a little over three thousand dollars, right? And I don't feel comfortable. He goes, "Hey, listen, the stuff's inside, but these guys don't want to bring it out." So I drove out here. Normally, what you do is you wrap it up, you bring in the car real quick, and we're done. And I get the hell out of here, right? And he said, "But he wants to come in." You go inside. And I was like, "And I know there's more people coming in." And he doesn't know that I know that already. So I'm, I'm, I'm just like, uh, "No, dude, I don't want to be anybody." i said no it's fine i said no and no. i said okay what do you give me the money and i'll go get i'll get it for you i said uh, no i'm not doing it. <laughs> i said what's gonna happen is you're gonna walk away with three thousand i'm gonna have a bigger headache to deal with to chase you and everybody else who just stole my money which that was gonna be a rip so i said i'll give you five minutes i'm gonna sit in the car either you bring it or i'm out of here because either i it, and that's that's the beauty of being the case agent and the uh, undercover is that i don't feel the pressure let's say i was just the undercover and i'm working for somebody else working their case right something you feel the pressure you want to make it happen for me i'm both and if it happens great if not i got a lot of work i got other people i'm dealing with i, I got you today i got someone else tomorrow right so i i don't i don't, I don't ever felt that kind of pressure or i had to make it happen uh because i don't i want to go home at the end that's that's the most important thing no no deals five minutes later a honda odyssey pulls up guy pops up with an ak-47 same for a drum so i him and I talk. He sells me the gun. I take a look at it. I give him the money for that. And then he has a backpack. Another friend had brought him. And, he's, and he sells me the Glocks with the uh, the crystal map. I said, hey, dude, next time, just keep it between us. And I don't want to deal with this circus next time. And he understood. Right.
1: And he understood yeah. that. So what, what? I think it was testing me. Right. So why would you go? Why? If, if the AK wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. They showed up later. Like, why am I going in the trail? Like, why? What do you think they were trying to get you in the trailer for? I think they want to rip me off. Oh, okay. I think they always money. So, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think they want
0: to rip me off. That's. What, I think they want to take my three thousand dollars, 3400 dollars, and hit me. He said, "Hey, man. This, hey, this could be easy hit right here, and and, and we we'll don't have to sell anything. Um, because you, you don't know. So these, some of these gang I mean, these are gang members, by the way. These aren't average. So these this is a trailer, shitty trailer in Zephyr Hills. These are, there's a lot of gangs in that area." I want you to understand a lot of Hispanic gangs, a lot of gang members, sell a lot of meth, a lot of heroin, armed I, to t-
1: I don't t- think of t- for Hills and that's Dave, I think like of like that at all. I mean, it's it's, it's very you know rule. Like you yeah. know, what I'm saying it seems like it's read read my book and
0: and I'll give example after example of that area. Going go in there and stuff like that. It's it it is hot, and um, that's when I was there. I think it's gotten worse. What I see because mm-hmm. the cartels have just gotten stronger. When I was there, they were coming up. You know, El Chapo was good. Sinaloa is strong, but but now you have uh, the rise of CJNG, Jalisco yeah. New Generation Cartel, yeah, major rival for Sinaloa, right? El Mencho, he, he's now the big player. Cervantes, right? <clears throat> and uh, they're they're going to war. You know, and all these guys, you know, El Chapo, El Mencho, give your your audience a little background. All these guys came out of absolute poverty. I mean, yeah. they were selling avocados and oranges in the street and now have risen to me big drug lords where their assets are over $50 billion. That's according to the Mexican government and the US government. So you tell me they're not making drug lords in Mexico? Well, these guys got, and, and most of these guys are illiterate. They dropped out of school when they're in the fourth or fifth grade, right? But what are they good at?
1: They're good at killing. Yeah. And they're not afraid to kill. Yeah, they're brutal. They're brutal. Say, brutal. Uh- Brutal. Is it uh, El Mayo, which was uh Chapo's? We basically started the Sinaloa, right? With uh, and then El Chapo kind of came in right after. But I was going to say El Mayo, like I, I heard that he still drives like an old. He's he's worth you know billions and billions, or, you know whatever, and he still drives an old pickup truck. That's smart around town, like you know, like he's not, you know, he lives in a, a you know different places, and you know, same thing with El Chapo. He's always all he's really. He's really good at surviving. He was up until the United States got him, you know, yep. but he was really good at, at surviving, you know, through brutality and just forth thinking, like always have that the escape route, always be thinking, don't all keep staying in the same place, change, change locations, you know? That's what El, El Chapo was nicknamed also El Rapido, the quick one. He was the
0: master of the tunnels. Right. right? And remember that great tunnel he had the second time he was captured?
1: underneath oh, the, the, that prison. Unbelievable. Now, you know what's funny about that? I had read that like the area that was where the prison is, mm-hmm. it was actually the new generation that was in charge of digging even though they're rivals of digging the tunnel. Yeah, but, but at that hard. time, I think
0: at that time they were still uh 2015 yeah, they began to go a little bit sideways. Not as bad as now. But it, it would get a lot worse. But uh, what a corruption! What that—that's one of the things I talk about. I said we don't have a uh, equal partner in the war on drugs. The corruption in Mexico is so unbelievable, and that's the reason I bring that up because during the trial for El Chapo in 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 New York, it was brought. These government witnesses testified that El Chapo offered. uh, This is before Lopez Obrador, the president before that, with uh, Pena Nieta. He offered him of a bribe wanted allegedly according to court documents, he wanted a 250 million dollar payout. so we want to look for El Chapo. They said, you don't worry about it. you can be a fugitive for another 15 years, right? He said no, I'll pay you a hundred million. And allegedly witnesses said testified he took it. He took it. So if the top of Mexican government is on the take, then we have no chance. And this is what right. the battles we're, we're fighting. You know, you, you see case after case after general, uh attorney general i mean just get keep on getting arrested for being involved in in money laundering and and, and involved in all this stuff here uh and and this guy el mencho out of cjng um he was former law enforcement he was out of jalisco right he he was involved a lot of these guys know the game they know it and he's the same way we just talked about that mayo when i was reading guadalajara because now it's the battle for guadalajara which is where a lot of stuff is going on but he looks like he's won because they're trying to do a split. You know how everything is. Everybody wants to be king, right? Yeah. One day you're the king, they, they want to take you out, right? Almencho had guys he brought in that was former Millennium Cartel guys that split, right? Um, and they want to take over. And um, this guy's name is um, uh, skipping right now. But if if you look at the videos, he has him tortured, right? Wrapped up, kill him. And then left the park bench is this is what happens when people betray uh, El Mencho, right? And stuff like that. So, right now, it seems like he still has the lockdown in Guadalajara, which is very important for him. And he's the same guy that you're talking about, Amayo. He likes to live modestly. Not like Escobar, right? I lived in that big palace, right? Everybody knew where, where he lived and where he was at, but he brought he bribed everybody. These guys, have to little key. Uh, El Chapo's uh, bounty was $5 million, right? At his peak when he escaped the second time after Sean Penn and Kate Del Castillo interviewed him. And said, said, if you haven't seen that interview on uh, video, man, you guys need to check that out. Rose Stone Magazine. That's Unbelievable. great. Unbelievable stuff. He's, I, I can't believe Sean
1: Penn did that because you don't yeah, have that, to. that's, yeah, that, you know, listen, they don't care. He, El Chapo didn't even know who he was. Yeah. Like, he's probably thinking, well, my celebrity will probably help help me a little bit as, or keep me safe a little bit. No, it won't. He like, didn't even know who you are. No. no I, I would not have done that. That could have gotten
0: really ugly. And they almost caught him after the interview because they were tracking uh, the mixed actress Castillo's phone. U.S. authorities were, were tracking and, and just missed him barely. Just barely. It will take a few more years to finally catch him again and they will not escape the third time.
1: Not yeah. escape a third time. Well, they, I mean, they obviously realized, like, look, we're just not going to be able to keep this guy here. We, we have to send him to the United States. And that's so sad because you know what? Now we have the costs,
0: right? Now the U.S. tax dollar has to pay for keeping this guy for life, feeding him the expenses, the legal, everything we pay because the Mexican government is so corrupt they couldn't do it themselves.
1: And it's case after case like this. Very sad. Very I sad think, situation. You know, it, it's funny. Like, I, I, first of all, people are always, you know, oh, the, you know, like the U.S. government's corrupt. Like Look, there, there's some corruption here and there. But you have no idea. What it's that's like true. in other countries that's true in other countries it look if and not just that it's like look you're paying your police officer in mexico making six or seven hundred dollars a month you're nothing that's nothing like like i get it you shouldn't you know you should you shouldn't be involved in corruption you should be but it's hard not to be not only for the money but it's dangerous like if you end up being a cop like it's it's kind of like the um the the what was it um shoot i was gonna say what there was a movie about it um el cholo was his name el cholo was a guy who his rival they got wrapped up and
0: executed look up his name el cholo Uh-oh. look at the video he he he's going you see the guy from uh, cjng behind him in masks and next thing you know he ends up in a park bench. You the pictures wrapped up he was tortured and said this is what happened to el cholo the traitor
1: he don't play he don't play it's just a, it's a horrible situation in general. Yeah. So, you know, when you were talking about like the higher up, um, upper echelon of the government, I have a buddy named, uh, Juan Sanchez, who was in, um, in Venezuela, right? He was a Venezuelan citizen, came to the United States, started doing real estate, doing very well, uh, 2008 financial crisis hits his, um, his subdivisions and uh, the development start going under, he needs money. So he goes to Venezuela and he starts pitching to Venezuelans like, Hey, you should invest. And so he, people in the government invest basically the equivalent of the U S um, uh, or the, the head, like the U S attorney here, right? The U S attorney general mm-hmm. in Venezuela ends up investing with him. Okay. Multiple people in the, in the government investing, but they're in gov they're, He finds out later when Juan gets caught, The money they're investing is money they're laundering for Mexico. For the cartels. For the cartels through Venezuela. They give it to Juan. Juan loses the money. Oh, no. And now they're threatening to kill him. He actually goes back to Venezuela. They kidnap him for four or five days. He eventually escapes, gets on a plane, flies back to the United States. But when he gets caught, he eventually obviously cooperates. He cooperates. And the... FBI comes in and the, the CIA comes in. He, he he said they never said CIA, but they never showed badges, anything. My lawyer told me I think they were CIA. They come in and they say, listen, we looked at your phone. We see phone numbers and names in here of people that we've had indicted from Venezuela that are in the government. And they so they start asking, you know this guy? You know this guy? He goes, yeah, I know that guy. And they said, we've had him indicted on a sealed indictment. We can't get him. But, you know, so they asked him what happened. He tells them, and he says, do you want me to get him to, to come to the United States? And they go, yeah, but he's, he would never do that. And he's, he's not that stupid. And they go, and, and Juan goes, no, no, he's that stupid. He goes, you don't get to become, uh, um, you don't get that high in the government without being, you don't get it through brains. You get it through brutality. That's true. So he he contacts him because the guy had asked him to try and get him a travel permit in the United States so he could bring his family into the United States to visit Disney World. Mm-hmm. So he contacts him, sends him an email. No, no, that's not it. But his 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 visa had been denied by the State Department. He said all you have to do is have the US Embassy write him a letter saying that it was a mistake and it's been approved uh-huh. and he can come. They wrote him a letter. He said, literally, we're talking about three days later, he's on a plane, flies into Miami, and they arrest him in the airport in Miami with his family thinking they're going to Disney, Disney World. World. No,
0: no, no. And, and no, it is going to the Slammer now.
1: <laughs> but, you know what happened is he 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 rolled over on a bunch of people he ended up getting like four years or something and got back out oh did he? massive massive indictment these guys do it's
0: like at that level you you got to cooperate you got flip. you got to turn if, if and if, if. And one thing i've noticed all these guys too because if you don't you you get the hammer you get slammed you yeah. get the, the most time so yeah gonna, yeah they're, 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 yeah you now some about venezuela man Venezuela, it with Nicolas Maduro. Now it's a narco state. It has become a now he he he's not a communist anymore. And remember him Hugo Chavez? This guy's no communist. This, this guy, it, it's all about making money, and but the people suffer. It, he keeps them suffering. This guy's a dictator. He, he's a narco dictator. He's been indicted by our government, and, and to bring more. But you know what? Upsets me is a little politics here. But we'll talk a little a little bit of everything. My book's all about this by Joe Biden that threw him a lifeline, administration to see if Chevron go back there and get oil pumped up because we don't want to deal with the Russians, right? We're, we're tired of the Saudis, with the stuff he's done, Mohammed bin Salman. So it's like we, we want to work with the Venezuelans, who's all the stuff this guy's done. He's done atrocities to his people. If, if you're not about him, you're 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 done. And that's why Miami, you know, has been transformed with the uh, Venezuelans coming over, like right? the Cubans did, you know, from the '60s on. The Venezuelans right. have brought a lot of money. Doral, from the with South Florida, uh, has changed immensely with the Venezuelans. A lot, a lot of the money has come over, transformed it. So that's that's what you're seeing. And people say, "Well, man, America." Is it? No, yeah, the United States has issues. I live in Virginia now, and I was fortunate enough to. Uh, I like to travel, like history, my background. You know, I taught political science and history. I went to Mount Mount Vernon, and uh, I've gone to Monticello. Or Mount Vernon's Washington's home, and then yeah. at the Monticello, Jefferson's home. And, and I visited there, and uh, even it's true, 1797, you know, Washington had just finished his second term, will not run for a third term, does not want to be seen like King George or, or a dictator. He says, even then, it applies today. We had issues, you know, it, It's no perfect democracy. It's not a perfect system, but it's the best that's out there. And I think it applies today, the same thing. It's not perfect, people. We are not have a perfect system, but it's the best. it's the best that's out there trust me i've seen i studied politics internationally the corruption yeah we're going to have corrupt officials we're going to have problems but it's the best that's out there um so th- that's where we're at with with the corruption in, in, in mexico but the mexico government it's probably worse i i think it's, it's stronger than than the colombians were because their their reach is all over central america it's all over south america and they have a lot of people in the united states and and, and they're reaching not just in customs officials just not, not just with politicians, but you see it deeper and deeper in our country because the money is so big and so out there and the corruption is big. It's corrupt here, but they're corrupting here. So what are our solutions? We, we need to deal with the problem with Treatment. We need people to get off it. We need people to work on their, on their addictions because it's just going to get worse. And, and they want to, like, like Maduro said, like I said, they're weaponizing cocaine to help destroy this country. They, they think it, it's it's gonna fall like a rotten apple from within people are gonna fall and break and that's what they're trying to do
1: so um it's funny so I I I wish why can't I remember the name of this this book I used to know it too and look, trust me somebody in the comment section will will tell me the name of the book it was actually came out probably 50 probably 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago and it's about there's a, a like a an evangelist, right? Like, like a, like a preacher, super rich preacher. Mm. His son gets caught. He has a security detail, right? Like he's got the, several of these mega churches. He has a security detail. And one of the, the lead security agent or security person in charge of his security detail is a former DEA agent that had to retire because of brutality. Like he had been caught multiple times. Like, in you know, he was, he'd been written up. He finally retires. Mm. Well, the, I'll call him the preacher the preacher's son ends up getting caught like smoking I don't know smoking doing drugs or something one of his friend ods on Coke or something I forget what it was but he he's upset and he ends up venting to this former dea agent so is security um you know head of security so his head of security he's like you know he says how much money do I give you know every month every every year he's like oh like a million dollars to these programs and he goes he goes, is it even helping? He's like, no, it's not going uh, to, is going to do nothing. And he says, well, what can end this? And he said, well, you know, it's so out of control that the government can't, they just can't, it's everything they can do to try and keep it stemmed. If you could get it pulled back a little bit, then they could probably get a better handle on it. And he said, there's an idea we used to kick around at the DEA. And he said, well, what was that? He said, if you poisoned the drug supply, then- the 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 hardcore he said the casual users aren't the problem he says casual users would just stop he said but the drug addicts he said they would have to seek some kind of rehabs any rehab yeah right and so they end up he ends up going to somewhere and who knows where brazil i forget where it was mm-hmm. but someplace and he, he ends up he ends up finding this chemist and he ends up getting these mushrooms that allows them to poison um the drug supply right like coke and he, he, of course, he he gets a bunch of retired DEA agents, you know, friends of his to help him. There's a group of like six of them, and he ends up poisoning a whole bunch of drugs. And what happens is the hardcore users, they they inhale it, and then if they do enough of it, it ends up breaking down and shutting down their their livers, and they die. So they end up doing this on a massive scale. Oh my gosh! And I, I listen, it was. And of course, what happens is it, it it works. But the problem is, is what he tells the preacher is like, you know, there will be, some people will get sick. There may be a few deaths. And he knows the reality is there's going to be thousands. And there ends up being tens of thousands of deaths because they do it on such a massive scale. And so um, this is fiction. This is fiction. It's fiction. Yeah, it's right. fiction, but it, it's a great book. I mean, keep on how much I read when I was locked up. It was this, it was just really well written researched you know how much was possible i don't know but it was it it really you know it, and the guys got the statistics and the whole thing and you you really realize reading the book like what a massive issue it is or oh, it is oh, it is and another
0: another way to attack it was when you're seeing here you see in virginia all over the country and started with marijuana it's, it's been it's getting legalized all over the country right right racial use you, you take the, because the Mexican cartels make a lot of money cultivating marijuana. So you right. take that away from them, that's going to hurt their profits a lot too. So right. I think marijuana, you're seeing it. I mean, I know Florida is just medical, but I know Virginia got it approved for a recreational. So it, it is going all over in the Northeast, the Midwest, of course, the West Coast, the, up and down is approved for recreational. So that's where you're seeing it. It's going that way. I, I think marijuana, you know, you, thomas jefferson even grew marijuana and monticello right founding fathers i mean marijuana has been around for hundreds of thousands of years people have been smoking it right you know right it's not my thing i don't like getting high i don't like you know smoking my lungs but if some people that's what they want like cigarette smoking I, i'd rather not be around it right i like to eat away from that i don't like to be around any of that stuff here but some people like it i think the edibles now i think are legal in every state
1: it gets you high those edibles right have you seen that that's everywhere now yeah, I—I I mean, you know, i they, they, drugs were just never my 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 thing. But I, no. but this is the thing. I'm—I'm, I'm, I definitely agree that you know, to me, look, if you took the money they spent on the prison population and you made going to rehabs affordable, and you did more education, and you legalize a lot of those substances, I think would alleviate the problem considerably and it listen and it'd be detrimental to the to the cartels absolutely because then, then you're taxing it here we're making the money right,
0: right. The, the states and the federal system so you, you have to eliminate marijuana from being a schedule one banned substance right that's the first thing because it's, you can do all the things at the state level but if you're still a uh, a you, you use marijuana you want to buy a firearm and an ffl federal firearms licensee you show prohibited you can't do that because you're still a drug user right so right. if you're a drug user. You can't do that. Marijuana is still on the list there. So a lot of things. I know that's passed in the House of Representatives. That needs to be approved in the Senate to start making this nationwide. Because I've seen it firsthand. I think we're wasting time in the judicial system, plugging judicial system when you have these petty cases. You have ATF went after the worst of the worst, right? The most right. violent. That's what we have to focus on: the most violent repeat offenders, armed traffickers, armed home invaders, guys who want to commit murder for hire. You know, international traffickers. That's you know, gun traffickers. That's where we have to focus on. not guys who have some weed they want to smoke and they're doing this on the side. I mean, all places want to have a ZT policy, zero tolerance. That's a waste of time. That's, you, you're clogging the system. On, on, These people should be treated for health issues, not criminal. they shouldn't criminalize these people, in my opinion. This is coming from guys who have been 26 years in law enforcement who have seen it, right? Uh, I, I just think it is a waste of our tax dollars, it is a waste of time. And we're building more prisons. We need to focus on, and the court system gets overwhelmed with also. And you don't want any of that. So we have to be smarter. It's marijuana. Yes. Hey, we learned the lesson from prohibition. I wrote a book about it, right? The Rise of the Outfit Here, the Chicago Crime Bosses. And right. after, well, that's what made Al Capone. That's what made these guys of the violence because it was illegal, right? And then once we legalize it, well, there goes that. And all of a sudden, the government's making the money, right? They're getting taxed. And everybody can enjoy themselves. You're not being criminalized for having a beer or drinking whiskey, which is was ridiculous, right? The, the same thing, in my opinion, should apply to marijuana. The other drugs, a little bit tougher to deal with, but we have to come up with solutions. But marijuana is the first gateway, I think, with that because, I mean, everybody in college. You, you want you see how many people in college have to go sometimes to really bad areas to get some weed, right? Right. End up getting hurt, robbed. You want you just go to the store, right? It's illegal. I mean, that, that we have to be smart about it. Obviously, I don't want to be around it. And I don't want to smell it because I went to Kingston for do some work, uh, for training, and everywhere in Kingston you could smell it, the ganja, as they say, ganjaman, right? It's everywhere. I, I really don't. I, I didn't care for that smell. That's wrong. Okay. Kingston, Kingston in um, Jamaica.
1: Jamaica, right? Right. Kingston, Jamaica. Okay. They have a Sorry. lot. They, they grow a lot of a lot of wheat. They call it ganja over there. Absolutely. Oh, listen. On, and you know, there's places in Jamaica you can't even go. Oh, that's true. Like, I mean, the government doesn't go. Yeah, like we were when I went to Jamaica. It's funny, I was I was on the run and I went Wait. to Jamaica, Wait. and and we were to have the taxi driver. He's like driving us around, and we were like, "Hey, let's go here, let's go here," and he was like, "Yeah, you can't go there," and he was like, "Listen, he's like the police don't go there. Like you definitely aren't going there." We he he's like, "We're not going there in my cab." And it was like, wow! It was like, it's that bad? Like, what do you mean the police don't go? He's like, no, it's that section, that area is completely um owned and operated by the, you know this one gang. Jamaican possibly whoever. Possibly yeah, try. yeah, yeah. They just had a huge arrest. Of, I think about five, seven years ago.
0: Guy's name was Coke, like from cocaine. Right. Yeah. And, and now, and and the people in Kingston were riding because he obviously you know they provide a lot of work and you know it, it's like an Escobar type, right? They also give a lot. The community, just like just like uh, Chapel did, Guzman, they give a lot, they help a lot, they know that the little people, they want to take care of the little people, so they kind of help the little people a lot, but because they they work for their organization and do stuff like that, that's the same mentality you you saw out there in Kingston. Yeah, a lot of people just want to go. Uh, if I tell me to go to Jamaica, I was gonna maybe work there as an attaché, but once I saw first after two weeks there how the conditions were, no way, I wouldn't bring my family, that's for sure, and I definitely wouldn't go with my family in Mexico. Uh, because I'll, I'll also because at the end of my career, I promoted and I went to ATF headquarters and I, I worked at two years and I was helping briefing the, uh, the director case uh, uh, with one in command for the central region, who now is number two command for ATF right now. So that's a good contact that, uh, that I have and working and talking and briefing some of the most sensitive cases that ATF was working. Uh, so, and then I was going to maybe transfer to Mexico. But then with the issue of Lopez Obrador, what was going on, uh, who was the president of Mexico, they renounced our diplomatic community status as agents. So, you think I'm going to go to Mexico, and they don't want to carry farms. So, they don't want you armed. They don't want you to have diplomatic immunity. And I'm going to be kidnapped with my family? I said, no way. I said, I'm eligible to retire. I did my time up here. I enjoyed my career. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then I got into writing. <laughs> right. I, how, I did a nice did trip in writing. writing um well i've been you know writing like this uh by a year and a half now since i've been retired uh but i, I used to write a lot of reports right you get good right. and really detailed in writing a lot and a lot and a lot so i said and i always had a thing for it I like i like reading i'm always fascinated with uh you know history and political science and current events i'm always reading information so that's what a lot of my books are you know i got fiction non-fiction but i do a lot of politics i do about organized crime and i realized you know, when I started writing. What, and I'm not here to promote anybody, but you know, you know, I had a family member. She was in the publishing industry for over 20 years, right? She had, she got laid off, and I was talking to her, and she said, you know, it's hard at the time. You know, COVID was still around, right? And it was such a huge backlog. And uh, I said, you know, you might want to look at Kindle and uh, with Amazon because you can self-publish. Yeah, and you don't have to wait for anybody, right? And you get like 20 digital books like 7525 right so you know screen on both ends a screen for my pocketbook and a screen for the environment when you do the digital books right and um, and then i'm now doing audio too uh and shout out to sean milo for that we'll we both know him he's a great guy right. and that that should be coming out my book if you're not now a big reader and i've been told a lot of people would rather listen to it yeah and it's a great great story I, I encourage people to listen to these books uh and go audible It should be out hopefully in about a month or less it'll be out there so I looked into it, and it worked for me because I go at my pace. I do whatever subject matter. Because you know how it is, a publisher you get rid of, of the middleman who's only cares about making money. I'm always. It's not about always making money. It's about putting something out there which I want to talk about,
1: read about. Right. I was gonna say also, you know, as a writer, you make like you'll make six dollars, six fifty, seven dollars on a on a book that you sell on on Amazon, and if the Publisher sells it. You're making a dollar fifteen, a dollar thirty-five. Like, you know, and look, the, I, I got a I, when I was locked up, I got a book deal. They were in Barnes and Nobles. You know, that's great. Like, how how exciting is that? That's super cool. But in the end, like six months ago, this is five years later. <laughs> six months ago is the first time I actually got a, a small check from them by because it took that long to pay back the advance they gave me. They gave me like a thirty five hundred dollars advance. And listen, in prison, 3500 bucks is a lot, lot of money. But, you know, it just took that long to even pay it back. That's ridiculous. Now,
0: you would have made a lot more money w- with Kindle for, for sure. Yeah. And I, I like doing all. I mean, and I enjoy, just like I did my cases. I wore many hats. <laughs> right. I play that with my books. I do my own book covers. I do my own editing. I, I, I write the material. I choose what, what I'm going to write about. I just did a book that just came out. I think I forwarded to you on Facebook uh a messenger on the jim jones right in the in, in, in jones town on the massacre uh because it's now 45 years and i want to do a little bit deeper dive in that and i found some pretty interesting things in there and mistakes that were made and i i thought things and i also give my opinion right based on my expertise right a, there's a worst u.s cult mass murder in u.s
1: history almost nine oh 950 dead right i was, I was gonna say almost a thousand people something like 150 kids or 200 kids or something how many kids or that more oh. of
0: that that's horrible you could hear if you haven't heard the jim jones tape because he recorded the whole thing yeah yeah you should hear that horrible horrible My kids are crying and everything else and the mother his wife uh marcelina her name was she's telling him because these are his kids too he's poisoning he said let the kids live and he goes and just like this he goes mother 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 please you know he's already crazy mother yeah. please like and very sarcastic and nasty like says you know children hurry because he already killed the congressman right they, he yeah. had his goons go out and kill the congressman, leo ryan and his entourage nbc and everybody else washington post they gunned him down because they knew they had 20 defectors he knew it was over it, it yeah. was over in guyana and um and then he he said when they came back said hey some escaped he knew it was over he, he knew they're going to come down put him in jail shut it all down and he 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 was so selfish he brought everybody kill themselves to make that statement. He called it the suicidal revolution, which is insanity. All these people's lives that came in for a better life, lost their lives. Drinking the Kool-Aid. That's what it's called. Right. Drinking the
1: Kool-Aid. It wasn't even Kool-Aid. F- Flavor-Aid. Yeah. Flavor-Aid. Flavor-Aid. But yeah. it, poor Kool-Aid. Yeah. Poor Kool-Aid got hit with Kool-Aid, drinking the Kool-Aid this whole time. I am drinking the Kool-Aid. What's yeah. that? Kool-Aid. Flavor-Aid. But I was going to say, um... Look, look take the the problem is everybody always fakes face everybody always focuses on the the murder right right that the the mass suicide if you even if you remove if you remove that though his rise is amazing oh my god his yeah. ability to manipulate is amazing and the fact that he starts Jonestown and then the senator shows up and they they realize the senator they realize what's happening senator yeah, back, yeah i'm yeah. sorry congressman's going to go back to the united states He's going to, he's going to tell everybody they're going to obviously send over the troops and grab these guys. I mean, it's, it's coming down, but then he actually sends his guys to kill him. That's unbelievable. And, and they do like that story. That That's the great thing. What what I love about, I love about nonfiction. You couldn't come up with that. No. Like that is so bizarre. It's, it, it, you know, the term, you know, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. It's true. Who, I agree is if you told someone that and it hadn't happened they'd be like yeah bro that's just like it's 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 too out there to believe sure I agree. everybody would be like that's just too and it but it happened it's it's an amazing story he's another guy that grew up and i didn't know his
0: background until i reached this is the reason why i do stuff like this i love researching nonfiction. i love it i've done a lot of these so if you like what we're talking about check out the book please it's it's on amazon it just just came out but w- with him he came out out of absolute poverty yeah. Object poverty. I mean, out of Indiana, right? And in, in uh, Lynn, Indiana, his father was a uh, war One veteran who suffered serious, serious uh, chemical attacks. You know how the war was in the trenches, right? Yeah. They... He, couldn't, he couldn't breathe. He couldn't work. Couldn't do anything. Guy was disabled pretty much. And the pension was horrible back then. And then they had the Great Depression. They lost their home. The government, the, the, the company, the merged company seized it. And the family had to buy him a shack. And they lived in a shack with no plumbing, no and, and no electricity. An mm. absolute horrible situation. So that's why he I think he needed to find something. And I think that's what he found, you know, religion and ministry, his his cult, because he, he would obviously perverse it completely. And, right. and, he, and he would end up, you know, the people's temple was, was ends up being a cult, pretty much. Yeah. Because you to join, you have to turn all your finances to it, Right? All your money goes to him. He'll take care of you. He'll find your housing. And he took advantage, and I hate to say it, took advantage of a lot of minorities and a lot of disadvantaged people, right? And a politician, because he came up with integration, right? He was one of the first guys integrating the churches with blacks and whites and, and everything else. What was unpopular in Indiana, right? He ended up going to San Francisco. Of course, very liberal out there, right? Became very popular. He would help get votes for the mayor. And in 76, Walter Mondale and Jimmy Carter. Was there any help California go blue, right? So he, he can beat Ford. So that's why they were embarrassed, humiliated, right? Angry. They didn't want a full investigation on Jonestown. But this guy, Ryan, he was a Democrat, but he knew there was something wrong. And But this is where I criticize him in the book a little bit. When well, you know this guy is so unstable, right? He They had already information, affidavits, to defectors that they were already doing mock drills like this drinking the kool-aid they, they already trained them that if this happens this is what we're going to do they have people what they call white night drills where they have gunfire over their heads so they would just stay down and they would drink the kool-aid he had all the cyanide prepared for this
1: so you don't think but I mean, how I, but i don't you yeah. look but I, I hear what you're saying but yeah. if you were telling me that i would be thinking no, that's crazy it's too crazy like that's not going to happen like that's never happened like like, I mean, in the, in history, it's yeah. happened, but it, it's so unbelievable that an American citizen and that a group of American citizens Americans. Yeah. would have done this or that anybody would follow or anybody would follow through like, okay, he's doing it. I get it. He's out there, but that's probably not, it's not going to happen. And you know, who's going to, and who's going to kill a Senator? That's not going to happen. Yeah. But the senator a Senator, Congressman, Congressman,
0: yeah, not, Congress. not just, not just a Congressman, but the entourage that's with yep. the staff, yeah. The staff, and there's one lady who was his staff member. She survived by playing dead for 24 hours uh, on the strip there, and, and until the army came in to rescue her, she played dead for. She had five bullet wounds inside her. She just wrote a book and, and a great interview. I haven't seen her talk about it. Uh, she gets very emotional now. She took over his old position like 10 years ago, so now she's the congressperson person from that from that district. Okay. Yeah. Very, wow. Uh, unbelievable story, but you know what? A lot of people didn't commit suicide. But what the investigation shows, they wanted to leave. They were yeah. they were the, the guards. His his what he called the red, but he was a communist. And those yeah. who don't know, he he is a hardcore, very much Marxist-Leninist communist. He hated this country because obviously the racial issues. He called it pretty much a racist fascist nation, right? And he wanted to set up this Marxist utopia out there in Jonestown. He, he was big of uh, Fidel Castro. He, he was a big fan of the Soviet Union. He even had Soviet officials come in and say, this is the perfect Marxist utopia that I have set up here. And they congratulated him. They went out there and they said, man, you've done here. But at the same time, these people were oppressed. He had him work 12-hour days. He fed him rice and beans while he ate like a, like a king. And at the end, those who didn't want to commit suicide, the gun squad, what I call them, the Red Brigade, came out with in- injections and injected everybody in the shoulder with a cyanide. And you see that and 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 so a lot of people were murdered and, and to me when you're
1: brainwashed like that you're, you're being murdered because like, didn't didn't some of the people even try and run off into the woods and stuff and they were shooting at them or no, no they, they didn't you can't you can't you, no escape you you have to die when he, when he says time to die it, it is time
0: to die there, there was no like hey this was a, a man now these people were murdered i mean a lot of people say you know especially children and, and they have no no saying it they were forced to drink that small children they were they were killed and they were a lot there were 200 something children that were murdered and in they're including his own children and it, his own wife even protested and said this, this has to be a different way and then it then it, it, it goes mother 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 please you know he goes like you know, he gets he's already in that crazy psycho world and he tells children we have to hurry children we have to hurry we have to send a message to the world the suicidal revolution i mean he was just off his i mean who in the right mind we'll see because he wants to send a message, and then he he didn't take the kool aid himself.
1: The cyanide, he, he shot himself in the head. Did you? Well, the, so uh, I've got. I'm going to butcher this guy's name. the The guy who wrote Fight Club, a uh, uh, Chuck oh. P- uh, Palahniuk. Yeah, I, I I know I butchered his name. Anyway, he he wrote a book called Survivor, mm. and it talks about a mass suicide, and he he talks about several mass suicides in the book. But it's very much written in the same vein as Fight Club. You know, he has that real choppy um, uh, writing style, it, it's, which is, is great because that book really moved along. He also talks about, like, it, that's a great book with about multiple different types of suicide. Talks about um, Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, yep. Yeah, that sui- uh, mass suicide, but nothing like, like, nothing compares to, There's nothing. We've never had it. It, it was the worst mass murder until
0: 9-11, right, with Americans. Right? I see that. Um, so, you know, and and, and and with that, so going back to my point, I thought the congressman made a mistake. I know he had a history of being very proactive. He, he's a Democrat. And remember, th- this guy, Jones, helped the Democrats win the 76 election, the national election. He helped the, it win a lot because he was key getting the votes out with African Americans because he had an integrated church. He was a socialist. Remember, and there's a very socialist area. So, the State Department did not give him a lot of information while i was reading. According to the staff member who survived, what really was going on? Because remember, they had people already saying about all these defectors saying, "Hey, dude, they're doing mock exercise. They're torturing people in there. If you stand up, anything, they'll put you in this hot box. They'll put you underground. They they put you in a well. They they really torture people. You better get on the program. There's no escaping. There's no leaving. This is what they're doing to you. So I think it was a big mistake, him knowing what's going on there." Knowing these guys are armed, he knew they were armed. I personally, just you know, being common sense, is I need the guy in government to help me get me security protection. He went unarmed with he thinking that the media guys, oh, you know, I have have NBC with me, I have the Washington Post, they're going to he's not going to shoot us with with the media here, yeah,
1: kill everybody. This guy's not following the Geneva Convention, like I can't shoot reporters or or medics. Don't you know I'm a congressman? Yeah. I don't think he cared. Yeah. He cared, man.
0: He cared. So that's the You can never underestimate your opponent. Never underestimate. Yeah. Be prepared. Uh, I, I think he would have if he would have had the army or at least some representatives and they saw the evidence, I think they could have arrested him, taken him there, and he would have saved those lives. I, I think he was just approached the wrong way. That, that And at the end, knowing that kind of person, how volatile he was, how could they not think that would not trigger that after he'd been practicing that? right? He pretty much said that's what he's going to do. Arrogance. So that's my criticism in the book, if you read it. I I blame a lot of the Carter administration at the time for for, obviously he went out there as a congressman. He could do his own investigation, right? Different bodies of of government. You have the executive and the legislator. But they should have given him some support and protection because he, he was set up to fail. He was set up to fail and they failed badly and look what we have the consequences so something you got to really think about this guy and 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 he really there's a reason why he went he created jonestown because he was this close again picked up in the us for obviously tax evasion he really didn't have a church he had all this protection as a church but it was a cult and he was stealing and he was abusing he would he he would rape the members he would even rape males so he he was involved in a lot of bad things so he knew his time was coming that's why he set up guyana i think originally he wanted to go in brazil But it was easier for him because uh, Guyana was a British colony, a former British colony, English-speaking, and it just worked out easier for him to go to Guyana, which at the time had become a socialist nation also, very communist. So that's another issue they had to deal with. So Interesting read. If you like what we talked about, I think you'll like the story of Jim Jones. If you don't know much about it, a lot of the younger generation, I've noticed, doesn't know anything what happened in Jonestown. So read about it. You'll be shocked. And the video, his video, his tape, the death tape, you got to listen to that about, about, about the brink of a madman with a thousand people jumping off a cliff.
1: Um, well, shoot, I was going to say something too, when you were talking, I was thinking, um, oh, oh, I know what it was. It was the, uh, um, it, it kind of, one of the things you were talking about finances is it reminded me, oh. of, um, of, uh, uh, David Koresh. Oh, Waco. Yeah. Yeah. He would have everybody, he would have all the women and everybody go and get on uh food stamps and get on, you know, like that, that's a big thing with the cults. One of the things they do is they, they immediately have everybody sign up for, you know, they call it what they call it bleeding the, bleeding the beast. They, they call it like bleeding the beast where you sign up for all the subsidies and all that you get as much as you can. Of course they all live there. And he, of course, you know, he's got air conditioning. He's eating well. They're all he's like uh, a king. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: typical with this communist, you know, socialist system. Look at Nicolas Maduro. You look, you look at Fidel Castro. You look at Xi Jinping in China. You yeah. look at Kim Jong Un in, in North Korea. They they abuse the people, the little people. They think this is better for them. No, this is the best system out here, folks. Don't get conned into that. This this is the best system out there. It's it, nothing is perfect, but it is the best system. At least you know you can work your way up. You want to get your education. You want to do things. You can make something in your life here. And it happens. One thing you can never take away from you, and I tell people this all the time, is your education. They can never, no matter what happens, they can never take your education from you. They can't take your drive from you. They can't take your determination from you. That's built within you. No matter what government happens in you. So educate and be free. And, and there's a lot of brainwashing. And be a person, ask questions. Get different sources. Don't just accept one source. And unfortunately, these people did that, right? And you see the yeah. communists do that. And, 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 and he was very good at, propaganda and brainwashing where you weren't allowed to get other information but other sources it was his source of information healthy diet every day that way that's so what Castro did the same thing CCP does the same thing in China and i've written about th- those books in China uh, they like their one-party system as our way or the highway so end up one of three ways for you either their death imprisonment or they're going to kick you out of the country that's a reality that's a reality we live in the 21st century
1: all right that's depressing so all right so but true though right you really brought that you really brought the the dinner of the show down no but 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 we're it though we're we're the shining light here so
0: hey good thing is we're living the good country (laughs) be happy you're born in communist china or or venezuela or or north north korea that is just have you ever seen the videos out there man that is depressing see that so those are the books. Also, all the kind of books I've written about. So I have such a such a huge for almost no I no, just did 60th. Jim Jones is my 60th book. I just did my 60th book in a little over a year. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. You can find it now. I'm doing uh, the Audible book should be coming out. Uh, that should be coming out within a, a month on ATF Undercover. And then I'm doing more with Sean. Uh, we're just doing the one on mass shootings. We just started that one. So some of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history, and based on my background solutions to that i mean that could be a show within itself what, what what's going on in our country with mass shootings that, that's depressing for me and how we can stop them, and how, how what we can do uh, you know, i don't know if you've seen the video or not and i talked to a lot of people about this i've done shows about this Ovalde, texas what happened rob elementary no about it yeah you have to look at the video 77 minutes while the shooter's in the classroom killing the students and teachers while the police
1: outside Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I've I've seen bits and pieces You of gotta it. see the whole thing.
0: It, it 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 is really all of it's out there now. And what's really upsetting, and you gotta watch this in the audience should look at this. One of the officers, female officers, you know, they forget they have the body cams on, right? Right. And another guy was recording her because everybody has it on. And I guess she had her off, but he had his on. And they're outside, they are already finally the, the it was the feds. It was the Border Patrol, the attack the tac unit came in there and and it wasn't the locals the only ones went in there and there were i think they were like 15 20 miles away and they responded and they're the ones that came in the classroom and they're the ones that killed them, who killed the ramos inside there it wasn't the locals who stayed outside uh she said he said hey wasn't your daughter in there and one of the guys was saying no no my daughter's a vpk but if my daughter was in there i would definitely have gone in wow come on my daughter was in there but how, what the other people's daughters, wasn't, children weren't good enough to go in there. I mean, that's what you you, you serve and protect. This is, this is what the call is about. When you got that kind of situation and kids are, are, are dying, that one of the children, one of the girls was calling nine one one saw her teacher get her head blown off, right? And the other students are dying, bleeding in there. It says please come and help using the teacher's phone, right, to call nine one one. You stay outside the classroom because oh he's got a a, a rifle. We have handguns. Uh, well, they have nothing, right? Go in there get a shotgun you got shotguns you got everything else that's those are the kind of things i talk about where you need people who are teachers who are willing to protect. teachers are willing to die for the students some of them were shooting the students at the end taking the bullets for the kids they want to fight and, and those just like after 9 11 we had but well, after the pilots right taking over the airplanes yeah they had the option to be armed right where we're to the point where we would probably have to do the same thing with administrators teachers the same thing because some police officers happened in miami and parkland they stayed outside, right? And, and and uh and Cruz ends up Nicholas Cruz ends up killing a lot of the students and teachers inside because he has a rifle, right? I understand it's not a fair fight. You have a handgun, he has better range, it's faster, and you go through your, your body armor, but these kids have nothing and the teachers have nothing. And right. staying outside, that's that's being a coward. And after shoot training, so you got two people in, you can do it and you address the guy because that's what that's what you're supposed to do. So I address a lot of that. Books are going to be coming on Audible soon. It's already on that. And I, I talk a lot of scenarios, what we've learned, what we haven't learned, and the problems we have. And we may have to become more like Israel to protect ourselves if because the response time is too long. And if a lot of these places don't want you armed, well, then you have to do something about it because this, this doesn't end. We just had another one in, in Michigan State, right? It, it, it just seems like every week there's a new active shooter. As we speak right now, Matt, there's somebody else who got triggered, it's going to do the same thing. Because we have yeah. a mental health crisis in this country that's unimaginable, and on top of that, easy access to weapons. That's that's the problem. That's another. That's a, that's a depressing thing about 21st century America right now. And I put that in my book here. It's it's no solution because the only other solution is a good guy with a bat taking on bad guys with guns, right? Letting everybody be armed, and because in Indiana a few months ago, in a food court in a mall, a guy had armed himself in the bathroom. He started shooting. But somebody was was armed, concealed weapons permit, and addressed them and killed them.
1: Yeah. You never see you never see that video though. Yeah. Hopefully that'll see. They push.
0: No, no, no. they got to push other stuff. So those are things I want your audience to think about. Good conversations, serious topics we've taken on, but that's what I write about. Things are happening in solutions my back, especially with ATF, my back with guns and stuff like this. It's really things that shouldn't be politicized by the right or the left. This is about us right our family because nobody wants their kids killed. everybody wants to have their peace of mind i have two daughters safe at school that's the worst case scenario you get that call school got shut down a madman's it's, it's in the loose there and they, they do nothing uh pulse nightclub i mean it's just case after case the police don't go in sometimes pulse nightclub they spend like 12 hours while he's, he's there remember in the gay nightclub the guy yeah. who's shooting everybody in the gay nightclub i mean they they, they wait for the swat team well the people are in the bathroom and he's lining up in the stalls and shooting everybody. Why aren't they going in? So it is just one after another. And and, you're, I, and I pick apart each one. So it's an interesting read what we have to learn and what we have to do. And and it's about people being armed. These gun-free zones, Matt, yes. the, the bad guys are going to victimize you because they they're that gonna, a thing That doesn't really? change a fucking thing. No, they're going to be armed. They know that's easy, easy pickings because I've done a lot of shows with guys and you know just my own history who have a history and that's what they look for you know they look for the bank doesn't have the armed security guy right they, they, they look for the place in the mall which is nobody armed no policing or the theater these yeah. are things we have to
1: prepare for if you outlaw guns like you know outlaws like you know look let's face it criminals are not going to abide by that no they're not going to abide by that rule oh we're not allowed to have the gun oh well then i won't what are you talking about but if you're willing to commit a mass shooting you're willing to break the law, the gun laws, you know, and you're gonna. There's just too many guns. There's two. You'll never
0: get rid of all the guns. No, we can't get rid of guns. The United States is the biggest manufacturer of weapons in the world. Yeah, I mean the Europeans have come here. I mean you have Glock used to be made in Austria. It's made in Georgia. Six Hour, which is made in Germany, it's made in the Northeast. H and K also in Germany. made They've come here because we're buying it all. America. America. I, mean, I mean, I have my collection too. But you have to protect your family because if you expect call 911 and the police will come save you from a home invader in your house don't hold your breath yeah no nah. you better get your concealed weapons permit you better practice and if you haven't shot your gun and that's the first time you're going to shoot it that's not the time to learn you better be competent with it because it, you're going to be pumped you're going to be drilling you got some crazy coming at you you better be ready how to use it and defend yourself because the worst thing is you see somebody do something bad to your family and you wish you could have stopped it those yeah. are just lessons just uh, this lesson for a guy who retired law enforcement what i've seen and hopefully, people can learn and just pass in some wisdom on what we can do. All right. That's awesome,
1: man. Are you re- are you, you ready? Yeah, I'm we're good. good.
0: We're good. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, you mean, do a
1: little, little promo or something? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I, I usually say that, you know, obviously I'm going to put we'll, we'll Colby, which is everybody who watches this knows who Colby is. Colby will put, you know, the, the book links. Like if you send me the book links, he'll put your book links um, In the description, oh great, uh, of the of the video, so people can just go to the description box. You know, they just hit the button and boom, it'll have a whole list where they can just click on it, and bring you straight to your Amazon account or your awesome. you know, your Amazon book. And uh, yeah, buy I, the- I'll, 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 I just have an Amazon author page. With all my books, I'll just okay. send you the
0: Amazon author page that I have. It's it's Better. a great one. So I let, let my I'll let the audience know also. I I do also have a uh, Amazon author page too. You can Google it. I'll go uh, obviously go on Amazon which is my name. I think it's there, Ignacio Esteban. Uh, and you can see all my books, 60 books, uh, from fiction to nonfiction. I also do fiction books also, which is fun. Reads. I also do pictorial books. And uh, I think you'll really like, if you like organized crime, I have a lot to do. This is a true crime channel. I have a lot in organized crime. My personal experiences dealing with biker groups, we haven't even talked about that yet. So that could be another show down the road if you want, doing the one percenters, doing the outlaws, the Hells Angels, the Mongols, um i've done books on yakuza i've done books on la gangs i was in la for eight months between the bloods and Crips and mexican mafia I've, I've done books on ms13 manas salatrucha so there's a lot of stuff here if you like it stuff obviously I've done books on, on uh, the mafia castro the mafia and the history of the mafia in in, in havana the, the rise and fall of the mafia in havana led to the rise in las vegas and i talked all the political side because of my family they were there they experienced it and uh, you see it firsthand, what's going on there. So a lot of cool things. Please look it up and have the audio stuff coming out on Audible, ATF Undercover. And hopefully they get the other books out there through Sean.
1: On, it's on Amazon, right? Everything's all, on Amazon.
0: All, all my books are exclusively on Amazon. I'm now 72 books. I've got super long ones, medium ones, and short ones. And now I'm getting into the Audible's. Right. And I was going to say, Sean, you're working with Sean to do the Audible. Sean Audibles. Milo. He's excellent. Great. Yeah, he's You, you used them. Uh, others have. He's been doing it for years. Nice voice, easy, soothing, nice to listen to. Uh, can't complain about that. Enjoy that. Uh, and if you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, all my books are free. So if you're a KU subscriber, enjoy that. You got to read all this stuff too with me. So I'm getting a lot of stuff out there. I'm, I'm just, That was just finished. I'm now working one on the Mafia in Miami, the history of the Mafia and South Florida. Fascinating stuff I didn't realize. And it's I'm working on that book now. So that should be a fun one.
1: Hey, I appreciate you guys watching the video. Do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notified of videos like this and uh, share the video and leave me a comment. Um, We're gonna put the Amazon link in the description. And all right, I appreciate you guys. See ya.